following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Chanteau, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz! And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, the Cannonball, Alex Steele. Boom goes the Cannonball. And, brother, uh, week 18 is uh, behind us. It's in the rearview mirror. And, uh, oh, my Lord, uh, it's playoff season. It's wild card weekend. Oh, my God, I love wild card. No, it's Sue, 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 Sue. Wild card weekend. <laughs> yes, yep, uh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wildcard weekend, rocking and rolling, baby, and and so week eighteen, man, what a weekend! What a weekend for week eighteen. We had so much fun. Mm. Uh, I mean, we got we had barbecue, we had beer. Uh, you know, we lots we, and lots of beer. <laughs> yeah, probably still recovering uh, a week later. There was a lot of beer uh, consumption, but uh, you know, we had some great games uh we 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 were talking about it on the last show that there were some great games on the way we were fired up about it and uh man it did not disappoint every single game was was good we at one point i mean early on in the day on sunday Mm. we had eight games on the tv uh we you know thank you um to the nfl sunday ticket and direct tv because we had the eight most important (laughs) games of the of the day on the TV at one o'clock, watching all eight of them, just watching <laughs> scores because every single one of them had such major playoff implications. Yeah, it was gameception to be sure. Um, oh, you know, it's kind of a little hard to <clears throat> a little hard to follow, but I mean, really, all you got to do is just glance and go, "Okay, score. Okay, score. Okay, score." But um, really, uh, it's it's definitely unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And uh, and you're right, you know, every single one of these games have been were very competitive. Uh, some some were very surprising, as we'll as we'll get into in a minute. But uh, you know the entire experience was great, and you know what the night ended off as almost as perfectly as you as, as someone could ask for. Oh yeah, Sunday night was a great time. Uh, <laughs> it it turned into just a a wonderful weekend. Uh, sat- both Saturday and Sunday, we we had a lot of fun, and uh, man, <laughs> just. I'm fired up uh, about about the games and and about you know last week's show and how things just how it all ended up in the regular season. It was it was a beautiful regular season finale. It's like I said last year we had a great time doing week 18 and it was it was fun fun. This year on week 18, dear lord, what a weekend! What a great time! Both days just a blast. So. Um, Week 18's in the books, and speaking of which, Alex, we get to jump into these scores here uh, and and just round out the regular season. Are you ready? Let's do it, my friend. All right, here are your scores for the season finale. Week 18 in the NFL, starting out with the Chiefs and the Raiders. Uh, the Chiefs dominate the Raiders, 31-13. to uh, This was to be expected here, right? I mean, Patty Mahomes, he had himself a, actually a pretty pedestrian game. We'll be talking about Patty Mahomes game uh, a little bit later, but man, rushing wise, Isaiah Pacheco getting going. The the surprise guy to me in this game, and I for, I completely forgot that the Chiefs had him 
was Ronald Jones was getting moving in this game. 10 carries for 45 yards. He had a 4.5 average. He had a touchdown on the day. Isaiah Pacheco getting the end zone on the rushing. Darius Toney getting involved in the rushing game. Uh, uh, he had a touchdown on the day. And then the guy who's been a strange come on in the last couple of weeks, Jarrett McKinnon, gets in the end zone too. I, I mean, this is the Chiefs just doing what they're going to do. They locked down the number one seed in the AFC, 14-3 and three in this situation, and uh, dominate the uh, Vegas Raiders with uh, Derek Carr going out the door. Jared Stidham does not look as good as he looked last week. It was a, a rough go for him. But the Chiefs get the W here, 31-13. What say you about this Kansas City Chiefs team? And what I mean, right now they're saying 42% chance of them winning the Super Bowl. Uh, what do you make of that? Do you think that's about right? Or, I mean, what's the story? Well, <clears throat> I totally buy 42%. I mean, they are the team to beat, not just in the AFC, but in the entire NFL. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes putting up these pedestrian numbers. He's just warming up, bro. He's just he's just warming up, sit, you know, sitting in the incubation tank or uh, the back of the tank for the Star Wars nerds out there, and just getting and getting ready for playoff football. And granted, because he because they've secured the number one seed, and because of the fact that the NFL did not decide to add an eighth team to the seeding, you know, he gets to rest for a week. So, uh, you know, when, when he does come out in the divisional round, look out, because th- this team is going to be a bulldozer. Yeah, I have a feeling that the, that uh, <clears throat> are, are getting warmed up. They get fired up. The fact that Patrick Mahomes is able to put up this pedestrian of stat line, uh, you know, is and, and they still walk out with winners 31-13. to 13. I think it's telling you just how good this team is and uh, just how good this offense is. Chiefs do it everybody expected they beat out the Raiders in the final week of the season 31-13 gotta love it uh next up a much more fun and exciting game the Jags go out and uh pull off one against the Titans 20-16 the Jacksonville Jaguars are your AFC South champions uh who would have saw that coming the controversy in this game is the fumble the the Josh Dobbs fumble that a lot of people are saying Josh Dobbs gets hit from behind when he's in the bag and you know in the pocket there gets hit from behind the ball comes forward the referees call it a fumble uh you know a lot of people are debating whether or not Josh Dobbs's uh, uh arm was coming forward or whether or not Josh Dobbs got hit and the ball came forward I'm of the got hit and the ball came forward into a fumble group but a lot of people arguing that that uh you know, his arm was coming forward. You know, at the end of the day, though, it turns into a fumble. The Jags pick it up. Jags get the win, 20-16. to 16. Uh, They advance to 9-8. and eight. Again, they win the AFC South, whereas the Titans are eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, if you would have told me at the beginning of this season that the Tennessee Titans would be eliminated from playoff contention, I would have told you you're high. Mm-hmm. But here we are. And, and the, the Titans, man, I'll tell you what. You know, it's it's interesting to, to see how this whole – do you think if A.J. Brown is on the field, I think that accounts for two to three more wins if A.J. Brown is with this team still, don't you? Absolutely. You know, um, the fact, you know, that, that it, you've been talk, we've been talking about it all year, how the A.J. Brown trade basically, you know, bit this team in the ass. You know, Traylon Burks obviously was not the guy that uh, it was going to replace A.J. Brown. He only had four catches for 19 yards. 
And, you know, what I think one other major factor we have to consider here is Derrick Henry's rushing. Now, obviously, King Henry uh, was <clears throat> slated to play. We were going, okay, this is going to be close. And it was close. But get this. He carried the ball 30 times for 109 yards. How are you going to win a football game carrying the ball 30 times for only 100? We have seen guys carry the ball 10 times for 100 yards. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've seen it. And and you're absolutely right. Derrick Henry, only a 3.6 average on the day. Uh, it, it, it was not a, a Derrick Henry-style game. And, and to the Jags' credit, their run defense was spot on in this game. They played extremely well. <clears throat> you know, you, you got to love what the Jags did in this football game. And, and really, it, Christian Kirk gets going here. I mean, he was the receiver to, to watch in this game. Six receptions, 99 yards, and a TD here. Um, for as much shit as we gave that pickup in the offseason, Christian Kirk has paid dividends. And uh, the, the Jags obviously saw something that everybody else didn't. And uh, we, we told them they were crazy. Man, we've been eating those words for a while now. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, you know, we had to put our ketchup with our crow. And uh, you know what? It, it, made it, it made it go down somewhat smoother. But, you know, uh, it, it's surprising to see. You, you never, it, it, it just means you never know what's going to happen in a trade. Most of the time, we know what we're talking about. Sometimes somebody will surprise you, and, uh, and this game is evidence of it. Yeah, absolutely. The Jags, however, are 20-16, AFC South champions, and uh, they have a showdown with the Chargers this week, so we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, next up, the Steelers beat the Browns 28-14. Um, for the, us out here on this show, it wasn't much of a surprise. The Browns have kind of been soft this year. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not the Browns team that we've seen the last couple of years. They made some moves after this game. Uh, we'll talk about them shortly. But uh, Deshaun Watson, 19 for 29, 232 touchdowns and two picks. You know, Deshaun Watson, you know, right at this game, mm-hmm. in this particular game, he started to look like he was coming on just a little bit. And and I I like that. I like to see that. It, it just... It still isn't the guy that we're used to seeing in Houston, all you know, two years ago. But at the same time, Deshaun Watson was starting to come. In. So we're going to see what happens when this guy gets like a full off season and really starts, you know, feeling his way through. But right now, you know, obviously he's not that same guy. We got to hope that they're that the Browns, or at least for the Browns' sake, uh, that they made the right move. Uh, yep. Over on the Steelers' side, though, I mean, Kenny Pickett didn't play much better. 13 for 29, 195 yards and a touchdown. Look, I like Kenny Pickett, and and I, I think he's going to improve year over year over year. At least I hope he does for his sake. But, you know, Kenny Pickett, um, 13 for 29, not good. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Well, here's the story for the Steelers. Uh, Najee Harris coming alive and well. You know, he carried the ball 23 times for 80 yards and a touchdown. And... You know, George Pickens, you know, got three catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, we all thought, oh, George Pickens is not the guy. You know, you gotta be, he's got to be passing it off to Deontay Johnson um, or Pat Fryermuth. But nope, uh, George Pickens decides to, uh, uh, to carry most of the workload as far as uh, the Steelers are concerned. And uh, one comment I'd like to make about Sean Watson is, as, as we talked about before, you know, I said it before, and I think it's, it's not truly fair to judge this quarterback based on the fact that he was off the field for two years. He had the incident in Houston. He had to get behind him. So you're right. We do need to see what will happen in the offseason with this Browns team. 
<clears throat> and it's not quite it's not quite time to, to fire up the quarterback carousel yet. But uh, but <laughs> next season is going to be uh, a huge determining factor uh, in whether that button gets pressed or not. Yeah, I agree. I, I just I, I think it's it's way too early to tell. Uh, for all the money that they're paying him, though, I mean that's that's the big thing for all that money that they're paying him as well. And you know, Kenny Pickett, he, he I don't think it's time to fire up the carousel in Steelers in Steeler land yet over in Pittsburgh, but. You know, uh, if Kenny Pickett doesn't improve next year, we're going to be, you know, talking about the Steelers possibly firing it up. And then, you know, Najee Harris, yeah, he had himself a nice game, 23 carries for 80 yards, but he only had a 3.5 average, so not exactly efficient in this game. And also, uh, Deontay Johnson, look, Deontay Johnson is a good receiver, and the fact that he's not getting as much love as he should be getting, he's not getting as many targets, um, that's a problem. I like Deontay Johnson a lot. I feel like this guy is a great possession receiver. He last year was kind of like the Adam Thielen of this team, and and he's you know a, a prime Adam Thielen, and he's not getting as many looks. He's not being utilized as, as frequently and as as much as he should be. I just think it's silly on the Steelers' end. He's a special receiver. They're they're missing out with that guy. But at the end of the day, the Steelers do get it done, 28-14. At the time, this kept you know the, their uh, their playoff hopes were kept alive by this game. Believe it or not, during <laughs> this football game, and then uh, other things went on. Uh, I mean, throughout. We'll get in. We'll get into that in a second here. Yeah, yeah, we'll get it. We'll get in that shortly because if you remember, there were three teams in that situation uh, that that could have had their playoff hopes uh, cut remain alive here. Um, next up, though, we got the Bengals and the Ravens. Bengals dominate the Ravens, twenty-seven to sixteen. You know, Anthony Brown gets the start for the Ravens. Tyler Huntley was out in this game, so Anthony Brown gets the start, and he goes out and throws two picks. Originally, we thought Tyler Huntley was going to be the guy starting. And, uh, you know, Anthony Brown, 19 for 44, just an abysmal 286, two picks. I mean, <clears throat> just a, a bowling shoe ugly game. Isaiah Likely, who actually came on as a, a tight end when, when uh, uh, oh boy, I forget his name. I that's I can't believe I'm Mark him. Andrews or something. Or... Thank you. I'm just slipping my mind here. I'm losing it. Uh, Isaiah Likely came on for Mark Andrews earlier in the year, had himself a really great game against Tampa Bay, and he had eight receptions for 103 yards in this one. I mean, he's a solid tight end. I, You know, if the Ravens were smart, and you have Mark Andrews, and you have Isaiah Likely, and, and you're, you know, John Harbaugh here, are you looking at, you know, possibly a two tight end, Gronk Hernandez situation? It, it would make a lot of sense to me, right? Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, it was it obviously had a, a modicum of success in New England. It had a modicum of success, you know, with uh, you mentioned Anthony Hernandez and Tony Gonzalez. Granted, they weren't like the, on the same team, but you, you're right to have a dual tight end threat. You know, is not a, is not a bad thing to consider. You know, so I think they really need to keep this kid on on the radar. Um, and as far as the Bengals are concerned, you know, they stomped out any controversy or any need for a coin flip you know and i think that's that's the whole purpose of this game is the Bengals basically said you know what we are not going to allow the flip of a coin to determine where our playoff game is going to be played if we play these te- if we play this team in the wild card and uh joe burrow uh going 25 for 42 for 215 yards and a touchdown i mean his accuracy was eh 
But, you know, and Joe Mixon, surprisingly, only had 11 carries for 27 yards. So what do you, so what do you make of that? I mean, who do, you, who do you think really stepped up on the Bengals' side? Well, I think the Ravens, first and foremost, have uh, their run defense has been surprising this year. Surprisingly good. Um, you know, they, their defense didn't start well this year. It really didn't. And their pass defense had been rough around the edges, but their run defense for whatever reason has been spot on this year and i don't i don't know where that came from but but they've been actually pretty damn good uh joe mixon man going 11 11 carries for 27 yards i i'm not putting too much stock in this i think it's down game against a defense that, that has been very good at defending against the run joe burrow actually had himself a pretty pedestrian game today but you know damn, i look at jamar chase getting eight receptions 86 yards tyler boyd five receptions 51 yards Joe Mixon got five for 41. I mean, they relied on the pass game. They got it done. You got to love what they're doing. And, and you know, uh, for the Ravens, uh, you know, I think that I think down the line, they're, they're you know, they're going to realize that they can't win without Lamar. I, I mm-hmm. mean, I, it's very apparent here. You can't win without Lamar. The fact that they're in the playoffs right now is just a complete and absolute miracle. I think they're they're heading to be a, a train wreck in the first round of this this playoffs, and we'll talk about that in a little bit because they do have a rematch here with this Bengals team two weeks in a row taking on these guys. And uh, mm-hmm. I think Bengals are, are again, going to erase all doubt. They're going to stomp the Ravens into the ground. It, it's just how it's going to go here. Bengals, you know, they're just that good. And, yeah. and a lot of people... Are, are concerned about this Bengals team going into the playoffs. A lot of people believe that these guys are becoming the Super Bowl favorites here. Uh, a lot of people predicting that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be the Super Bowl champions or the AFC champions. So, uh, you know, got to kind of keep an eye on this Bengals team. Ravens, on the other hand, going into this, I uh, don't know, this wild card weekend, this Ravens team <coughs> doesn't look too promising, does it? No, not really. You know, especially uh, when we get to a bit of news later on in the day. Uh, you know, even even though you know, I, not, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Yeah, this this. Uh, I mean, like I said, I I believe this Andrews and likely combo could be like Gronk and Hernandez, but you know, it, it is what it is. We'll we'll see how it turns out. Um, but as it currently stands, the Ravens whew, are on shaky ground right now, and they dropped this one 27-16 to the Bengals. Uh, next up, one that was expected, kind of a nobody-gives-a-shit type of game, the Vikings versus the Bears. You know, my Vikings, they pull out the win 29-13. It's the first time the Vikings have had a really definitive win all year long. They, they go out and dominate the Bears, really since week one. They dominate the Bears 29-13. Kirk Cousins goes 17 for 20, 225 and a touchdown. He was very efficient. He only played one half of football, mind you. Uh, Alexander Madison took on the workload, uh, 10 carries for 54 yards. He had two touchdowns on the day. I'm going to talk about that in a moment here because uh, there's some stuff that's bothering me about Alexander Madison. Um, K.J. Osborne, five receptions, 117, had himself a nice little day here. Justin Jefferson, really, the Vikings had a nice lead going into halftime. They they ended the half, they rested their starters, and and just kind of – Sat back and relaxed for the rest of the day, and the backups did the job. They, you know, at the first half, the starters scored 16. In the second half, the backups scored 13. So, I mean, they, <laughs> they just let their, their team and let all their backups get the start. No need to start uh, to injure starters, um, you know, and, and it is what it is. The Bears, on the other hand, 
They went and started Nate Peterman on the day. He didn't throw any picks, but he went 11 for 19 for 114 yards and a touchdown. I could have sworn he threw at least one pick. We saw it on the TV. He threw it. He did throw an interception. It was actually Tim Boyle throwing the pick, going two for eight for 33 yards through two interceptions on the day. Uh, the, the Bears, they started Khalil Herbert, who I think is the better running back than uh, David Montgomery. And Herbert played extremely well. Ten carries for 50 yards. He had a five average. Montgomery only had seven carries for 21 yards. He had a three average. I like Khalil Herbert better. He's going to end up being the running back of the future for that Chicago Bears team. <clears throat> Mark my words, he will be the guy. Uh, and, and receiving-wise, uh, you know, the top guy was, was Cole Komet, who came on about midway through the season. And he continued to, to put up decent numbers on this one, four receptions for 57 yards on the touchdown. This Bears team is now officially the number one overall pick in the NFL draft with the Houston Texans winning. We'll talk about the Texans shortly. But, uh, you know, the Bears being number one overall, what's the over-under, do you think, on, on them dealing that number one overall pick? Knowing full well that they still believe, you know, Justin Fields is the guy over there. I mean, it's... It would be. It would definitely be unprecedented. I don't believe uh, in the history of the NFL that I am aware of. I could be wrong. That that the number one pick was uh, traded to another team. Well, um, it has been multiple times. But the uh, thing about the number one overall pick right now is that the Chicago Bears really could walk out with with, with you know uh, the bag here. That's that's if they play their cards right, absolutely. Oh yeah, the number one the number one pick being dealt is nothing new in, in this situation. But you know the team that that I think that they should be looking at dealing with is the Indianapolis Colts. If if anybody, uh, the Colts right now they need a quarterback. If the Colts are serious about getting a quarterback, they can get a quarterback at four. But if there's a guy that they really feel that they want and they think that the Houston Texans are going to take that guy then they need to come up and be above the Houston Texans. That That's just what it comes down to. The Texans pick at two, uh, and, and the Bears pick at one. It is what it is at that point. They, they're going to have to sell <clears throat> farm to move up three spots to that number one overall pick. That's a big jump, actually, at that high in the draft. But mm-hmm. uh, that's the unprecedented part to me is, is the amount of spots that they would have to move to get to one because going from four to one, is, is that's going to be a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Like your your first five picks are basically, you know, gain you know, have the potential to be game changing, league changing picks. You know, we did have we did a long time ago have Lions pick at number three, and they went with uh, Joey Harrington a long time ago, and look how that happened. Look how that bust happened. But so but anyway, say, but let's say the Colts do move up to one. Let's say uh-huh. they. I mean, imagine imagine the situation for the Bears. I, I think the Bears easily, it's going to be a pick swap situation where obviously the Bears move down to four. But, I, you know, I think they get the next two years of first round picks from the Colts. And I also think that they could walk out with a, a star player. A lot of people are, are rolling around Michael Pittman's name and which mm-hmm. make a lot of sense for the Bears because they do need a wide receiver. So, I, I mean, it, it would make a lot of sense, and, and it would be a, a huge way for the Bears to start their rebuild um, because that's what they're in the midst of at this point at 13 and, or 3 and 14. Um, I mean, it's just it's ugly for the Bears, but that would be the way to start their rebuild if they were smart. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But in this case, the Bears, uh, they dropped this one to the Vikings. As for the Vikings, um, you know, they looked all right. Here's my thing. 
there's a lot of people out there in Twitter land right now that are, are really pushing hard for Alexander Madison, for whatever reason, to to start more more than Dalvin Cook. And again, nah. <laughs> uh, look, look, folks, I understand that Alexander Madison looked decent against a really crappy Bears defense. And I understand that Dalvin Cook really just kind of looked blah against his Bears defense. Let's not go crazy here. Let's not go soaking our jockeys over Alexander fucking Madison, okay? Let, let, let's be real. I, I just, I can't, I've seen Alexander Madison look really, really good in some spot start situations, but he's a number two running back. He'll never be a number one running back. He's a number two guy, and Alexander Madison, you know, he's good in a spot start situation. He's good as a backup. He's good as a reserve player. He is not a starting running back in the NFL, and, and the, you know, he's a, he's a high-end number two. And, and a, lot, a lot of people are saying things like, oh, well, he runs harder. He runs harder. You know, that's bullshit. Okay, because Alexander Madison, yards after contact is 2.7. The yards after contact for Dalvin Cook is 2.6. They're they're damn near identical. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. Uh, uh, Dalvin Cook, the reason Dalvin Cook is much better than Alexander Madison is because Dalvin Cook is able to identify holes and Dalvin Cook is able to hit the edges. And that's something that Alexander Madison is just not capable of doing. Alexander Madison likes to plow head on into the line and get swallowed up by defenders. That's what he's good for. That's what he does. So I don't like this bullshit about, oh, he runs harder, he runs angrier. Who gives a shit? If the guy runs into the line and he gets tackled, who fucking cares? And, and you know, I don't give a shit about the yards after contact because they're identical. You can't sit there and say that Dalvin Cook can't hit the, can't get any yards after contact, and he can't hit the line, and da-da-da-da-da. He doesn't run as angry. I don't need him to run as angry. I don't, I need him to hit the edges and blow up a, a 70-yard run. And by the way, there's people legitimately out there going, well, he gets, Dalvin Cook gets swallowed up behind the line eight times a game, but then he breaks off a 70-yard touchdown run. I'm sorry, since when are we demonizing somebody for breaking off a 70-yard touchdown run? Isn't that kind of what you dream for in fantasy? Right, isn't that what you dream for? Isn't that what you want running back to do? It just doesn't make sense. So, folks, let's not get get all, all high and mighty about Alexander Madison. Now, one thing I will agree on, number one, Alexander Madison is not going to be under contract with the Minnesota Vikings next year. Okay, he's gone after this year. And even if you do bring him back, it's going to be a ridiculous overpayment. So you should just let him walk. Um, as for Dalvin Cook, though, Dalvin Cook is under contract with us. But if you look at the money you could be saving by trading him, you could be saving $12.5 million. So if you're, if you're talking about a $12.5 million savings with only $3 million in dead cap, I'm sorry, I'm dealing Dalvin Cook. And there are players out there in this draft that I really like that I think the Vikings could utilize. Um, I, I really think Mo Ibrahim, if he winds up declaring for the draft, that could be a really solid pickup out of Minnesota. And I also think that uh, um, Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama could be a very solid pick in the second round if the Vikings can get a second rounder out of a guy like Dalvin Cook. They're likely to probably get a third rounder. But if they wind up with a second rounder, hey, I'm here for it. Give me Jameer Gibbs. I, I, that, that would be the running back that I would want in that situation. <clears throat> 
Oh, folks, let's let's not get all overly excited about Alexander Madison. Okay, he's a great short yard, short yardage back. That's about all he's good for. He's good for that fourth and one situation, that fourth and goal situation, that first and goal situation, where where you need to get in the end zone and get an extra yard. But for Christ's sake, let's stop advocating for Alexander Madison. You know, as as you know, the the man of the hour here. Okay, let let's just not do that. Uh, Vikings get the win, 29-13. Uh, and and they uh, finish out 13 and four. Great start for a first year head coach in Kevin O'Connell. Uh, do you think he's coach of the year at this point, or do you think there is? Uh, we're looking elsewhere. Well, uh, Andy Reid certainly uh, is. You know, des- deserves to be in that conversation simply because of the fact that he's coaching the best team in football, okay. uh, one of the best teams in football. Um, I would, <laughs> I mean, selfishly, I would also nominate Dan Campbell. I mean, he's probably not going to get it. But uh, but the way that Dan Campbell was able to turn the Lions organization around after they started one six, uh, and you know we'll get to that shortly, you know I'd I'd put him in the hat and he just wouldn't get picked. Uh, Most common names that are, are being thrown around right now are Nick Sirianni, uh, hmm. and we're we're hearing about um, Doug Peterson is being thrown around. Yep, I would say I would say Peterson. And uh, he's being his name's being tossed around. Brian Dayball is being thrown around a little bit. Uh, in and all, all of them have a case for them. Um, my thing about each of them, I have I have different you know ideas about each of them. Whether it become you know, for example, Doug Peterson. Everybody's been talking about him. Okay, we're gonna get excited about Doug Peterson after he had not one but two years of number one overall picks. Plus, they dropped 111 million in free agency. And then, yeah, did the team turn around their record? Sure, but after all that, they only managed to go nine and eight in the shittiest division of football, and mm-hmm. barely win it done in week 18. I mean, right. I, but, but so yeah, that, I understand that that's not really a high praise. I mean, you know, Kevin O'Connell basically took a Vikings offense that really needed some help and 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 shot and shot him in the arm. And, you know, and with Kirk Cousins having the worst statistical year in his career, still was able to get his Vikings to, uh, I believe it's the number the number two seed. No, no, number three seed, because number two seed belongs to San Francisco. Number three uh, seed, they, they go out and they win the NFC North. They go out and they, they uh, do exactly what they said they were going to do. They wanted to win North. They wanted to beat the Packers. They, they did go out and beat the Packers early on in the year. They dropped one to them in Lambeau, but... I'm going to face facts. Lambo's a shithole, and we'll talk about that during yep. uh, in a little bit here. But you know, I, I'm I have high praise for Kevin O'Connell, uh, Brian Dable. <laughs> same thing. I think he's he's a good coach. I think he's played extreme or he's uh, coached extremely well this year. So we'll wind up talking about the coach of the year stuff, you know, in a little while. But um, yeah, Kevin O'Connell did a great job with his Vikings team, ending the year 13 and four. I mean, hell of a job by him. Uh, way to get it done. Uh, next up, let's talk about this Bills-Patriots game. Bills go out, beat the Patriots 35-23, dash the Patriots' playoff holds. Billy Belly misses the playoffs after making the playoffs last season. Uh, you know, the Bills, they are the Super Bowl favorites. We've been talking about the Bills at length, about how they're they're getting it done. Josh Allen, 19 for 31, 254. He had three touchdowns. He did throw a pick on the day. One thing I do want to point out about this Buffalo Bills team, even though they're winning games, it doesn't seem like the Bills have been as hot as they were going into the season. It really seems like they've been kind of lukewarm going into this playoff run. We've seen the last four games, they've not been putting up monster numbers. 
Um, this is not the Bills team that I expected to see moving into playoff time, is it? No, it's not. You know, it's very surprising. You know, it's not the same Bills team that, that took the Rams to task in, in week one. It's not the same Bills team that where Josh Allen was basically running all over the field and, you know, Stefan Diggs, you know, he's Stefan Diggs has been a very consistent receiver. You know, seven catches for 104 yards and a touchdown. He's clearly the number one receiver there. Uh, Gabe Davis, you know, we have the legend of Gabe Davis, you know, in the in the playoffs last year, uh, you know, made us raise our heads and, and, and raise our eyebrows. But eh, three for 39 this week, not so much. I mean, he's still a good he's still a good receiver. So yeah, he, I'm waiting for that moment where he blows up in the playoffs. Yeah, again, <laughs> yeah, we're all waiting for that. So, but to to wrap this up, I mean, you know, Devin Singletary being the lead back, although he did show some improvement this year, you know, he did see some, you know, you know, stock rise a little bit. But do you really think he's still worthy of the number one spot? Or who takes that at the end of the season? James Cook, I think. I, I've been talking about James Cook, and I think Cook kind of put himself in the doghouse early on in the year. Uh, he had a nasty, nasty, costly fumble. Uh, mm-hmm that put him in the doghouse. It was on his first play from scrimmage, his very first handoff, home of the ball. Um, and, and everybody was like, well, that's it for James Cook. And then he came on about midway through the season and has been gradually getting better and gradually getting more use. And in this game, he had nine carries for 45 yards. He had a five average. I think James Cook is a really good running back. I think he's going to wind up taking this starting job. I'm not sure I'd have to look and see if Devin Singletary is in a contract year. But, I mean, really, I, I like James Cook. I, I do think James Cook could wind up being the starting running back over there. And, you know, he runs kind of like Dalvin in a way, except I think he's probably more durable, if I'm being honest hmm. with you. I, I think he's probably more durable than, than uh, uh, Dalvin, and, and he kind of has a little more size to him, it seems like. I, you know, I, I like... Uh, I like James Cook. I think he winds up being the starter over there. That's exactly what they needed. You know, uh, I, I really believe that. I think that, that he, like we've been talking last year and actually for the last couple of years, about how the Buffalo Bills need a true number one running back and how Devil, Devin Singletary is not the guy. And mm-hmm. uh, for this year, Devin Singletary is a free agent. So I, I think, and I don't think they want to pay Devin Singletary. I think Devin Singletary has been kind of playing for the contract. And that's why, you know, he's been playing so hard this year. So, <clears throat> I don't know. To me, I I'm, I'm, I think James Cook. James Cook is going to wind up being starting running back for the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, what say you? Yeah, I, I, that, that sounds like a great case to make. You know, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the offseason and during these playoffs. You know, maybe James Cook uh, makes an impact during the playoffs and it makes people go, hmm, maybe he should be starting. Uh, obviously, time will tell. I really think, uh, as far as the playoffs for the Bills overall are concerned, it's really the Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs show, and you know, and, and every and every and all the supporting cast around them. To be sure, um, you know, they definitely will have uh, the fortunate uh, you know survival and, uh, and and health of Demar Hamlin to really kind of they have that they have that story to grab onto as well. So, you know, they got, they got that extra boost. So, uh, yeah, definitely a very dangerous team uh, leading into the playoffs. Sure, they're they're going to need to hold on to that story in order to be inspired, I think, moving into this playoff uh, run here. And DeMar Hamlin, by the way, is okay. He did yep. come out of the hospital. He did go home. 
Uh, he is just fine, and the league has decided that at the Buffalo Bills, they've decided they're going to pay him his full contract regardless of the injury, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yes, great. tremendous. I, I appreciate that greatly. Um, and, and Devin Singletary, by the way, he has uh, 819 yards, five touchdowns this year on the ground. I mean, it, it, mm. it's yeah. kind of Australian numbers. I think James Cook could have done you better. Uh, I think James Cook is the running back of the future over there. I think Singletary goes out the door and, and it's going to be a see you later type situation. Uh, mm-hmm. But we'll see how things go uh, for the Bills. As for the Patriots, Billy Belly, uh, obviously, you know, Mac Jones, he's, he's proven to not be the guy. 26 for 42, 43. He had three touchdowns, but also three picks on the day. Um, Devontae Parker, I mean, look, the Patriots have had this hodgepodge of receivers. There hasn't been a true number one receiver over there in quite some time. You've had Devontae Parker one day, and then you've got Kendrick Bourne one day, and you got Hunter Henry catching passes, and then you got Jacoby Myers catching passes. Uh, I mean, it, it is what it is at this point. Let, let's be real. Uh, I, You know, Ramadre Stevenson is obviously your number one running back. I think Damian Harris, you know, he's probably your number two running back. But, I mean, I mean, you have this, this plethora of running backs. That, that you're excited about. And then you've got these receivers who, I mean, it's just like a, a who gives a shit type situation where you, you've got these receivers that are nothing special. None of, none of them is your Randy Moss type receiver. None of them is your Wes Welker. None of them is, uh, none of them are going to wind up blowing the doors off anybody. And it shows, and it doesn't really help that Mac Jones is kind of a questionable running back or a questionable quarterback that, that really, He's been iffy since last year. I've had questions about his arm strength. I don't think Mac Jones is the guy. I think the Patriots made a terrible mistake. They're going to need to go out and find their quarterback of the future uh, because Mac Jones is it. And and frankly, I don't think that the uh, um, right it's uh, the pieces aren't there. You know, um, and, and you know he only he only he only completed half his passes and threw three picks. I mean, the guy, we, we were talking about how he, he was a bust at first. Then he's like, oh, well, he's kind of coming alive. And then Bailey Zappi came in, and had, when he got hurt, and Bailey Zappi, uh, you know, surprised us. But I don't even think Bailey Zappi's the guy. You know, I, I think it's time to re, I think it's time to retool things here in New England. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. It's it. They're going to need to go into the draft and find a different quarterback. I don't think, and I think they're going to give Mac Jones a lot of rope because of the fact that it is Mac Jones and he's a first round pick, and you want to give him as much rope as you can. But today, I don't. I don't really think that he is the guy. I, I think he's a mess, and uh, I, I think he's kind of you know well, while he was exciting in the first year, and we're like, oh, maybe we're eating our words. <laughs> now do we see the sophomore slump and we're all kind of like oh, oh yeah cool gold so that's what we get <laughs> patriots go out and drop this one to the bills 35 23 their playoff hopes playoff hopes get dashed so that so those two those are two pieces of the, of the steelers puzzle so let's talk about the third piece yep the third piece and what killed the Steelers' playoff hopes was this one. The Dolphins go out and beat the Jets in a snoozer, 11-6. to uh, You know, I don't know what the hell was going on in this game. I mean, I kind of know. I'm surprised Joe Flacco didn't get things going more for the Jets. I really thought that the Jets had an opportunity to, to you know, kind of kill, uh, kill the playoffs for the Dolphins here. But they didn't. Joe Flacco goes 18 for 33 for 149. 
Zonovan Knight was the the head running back. You know, if Brees Hall was in this game. Mm-hmm. We, yep. don't, we don't think enough about Brees Hall and the fact that he got hurt earlier this season. But I feel like if Brees Hall was in this game, we're having a different conversation. Yeah, we, we'd be having a different conversation not only about the fact that the Dolphins wouldn't be in the playoffs, but the Jets probably would. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the deal. I think Brees Hall was really their running back of the future. And then he tore his ACL and went, well, there you go. And we kind of saw the steady decline of the Jets since then. We just didn't realize it. Right, exactly. I mean, and then also Garrett Wilson, I mean, obviously he's the number one receiver over there. He is their receiver of the future. He had nine receptions, 89 yards. He had himself a hell of a year. We'll be talking about him in a little bit. Um, the rookie, he's just going to get better and better and better. And then on the Dolphins' side, obviously they brought in Skylar Thompson. I mean, if there was ever a situation where the Jets could have played uh, spoiler for anybody, this was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was kind of had my fingers crossed hoping – that they were going to be playing spoiler. That would have made for a lot of fun. But uh, no, Skylar Thompson comes on for the Dolphins, 20 for 31. He has 152 yards, but he still plays mistake-free football. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert got the, the bulk of the load here for the Dolphins. They kept it on the ground. They kept it out of Thompson's hands. Smart job by, by uh, McDaniels here. Uh, Wilson has 16 carries for 72 yards. Mostert has 11 carries for 71 yards. Both of those guys, both running backs from San Francisco from when he was a, a, a offensive coordinator over there. So they know McDaniels' system. It was just a smart job on his end. It was a boring game. It was not fun. It was snoozer. But the Dolphins go out and they get it done 11-6. But the Dolphins are going to have their, their work cut out for them this week. Skylar Thompson is, in fact, set to get the start this weekend. Right, because you got two I didn't complete con- a concussion protocol. So that's going to be a huge problem uh, right. down there in Miami. Now, the Jets, though, one thing I, I do want to point out, uh, the Jets, and they, they are on the up and up. And I, I really do think the New York Jets in the future, if they can figure out this quarterback situation, which they're going to have to do. Yep. Going to have to find their quarterback in the future, um, and whether it's, you know, in the draft, whether they go into free agency and they go and get Derek Carr, which I think is a, a completely. Um, uh, it's, it makes sense. It's a possibility. And, and it, mm-hmm. it really is. So there's there's questions there. But the Jets, I think, are are on their way to getting out of the cellar here. Do you get- think? Do you think Zach Wilson, uh, you know, straightens up and flies right, or do you really think that Zach Wilson's a bust? I think he's a bust. I think he's been a bust, and and the fact that he hasn't come around in year two, uh, he's got an attitude problem. Yeah. Uh, there there are a lot of issues there with with Zach Wilson and and the Jets. They don't know how to handle it, and I don't think Zach Wilson is the the future for them. I think they took a risk, and it's not paying off. The guy's a bum. He is just not good. Uh, so the Jets are going to have to go into the draft, and they're going to have to find their quarterback in the future, or go into free agency, and they're going to have to take a risk on a veteran. And I don't know that Derek Carr is the guy. I don't know that that's an answer. I don't know that Derek Carr picking him up off free agency. Could, I mean, he a change of scenery could do him good, or it could be just the same old, same old. Who knows? You're taking mm-hmm. this. But at the end of the day, the Jets have to figure out their quarterback situation if they're going to be relevant and they're going to continue this upward movement that they've had because they've had some upward movement in the last year here. And and now they're 7-10. and 10. They, they I mean, I, I really think that if they started the right quarterback, if Brees Hall stays on the field, if he stays healthy, we're having a conversation about the Jets being in the playoffs. Right. So, I mean, 
it is what it is now, but uh, the Dolphins, they, they do get the win 11-6. to uh, they, they got their work cut out for them as well. Uh, next up, sort of a surpriser. The Falcons go out and beat the Bucks 30-17. to What are we doing here? What? Yeah, Tom Brady goes 13 for 17 for 84 yards and a touchdown, but I, I just think the Bucks kind of didn't give a shit. Uh, they right. make the playoffs with a losing record. They go 8-9. and nine. <laughs> The Bucks were kind of just resting they, their starters. They knew they had the division wrapped up. They sat guys down. Blaine Gabbert comes on the field. Kyle Trask comes onto the field. They threw a combined 17 passes. So, I mean, it's not really that big of a Giovanni Bernard was on the field. It wasn't a big deal for them. Keyshawn Vaughn wind up coming came coming out running the ball. Rashad White was only there for four carries. The Bucks said, we got this division wrapped up. Let's sit our guys. Let's get them the hell out of here. Who gives a shit what goes on? We made it into the tournament. At the end of the day, they're kind of whatever. They're- yeah, they're kind, kind of like the anti-Lions at this point. And, it goes, we'll, and again, we'll get into that in a second. But, you know, it, it, again, you know, there's always that toilet bowl division somewhere in football. And, mo- and you know, more often than not, we've seen that, it, that it's been in the NFC. Now, we've been talking about how competitive the NFC has been compared to the AFC. But there's always that toilet bowl division. And, you know, more often than not, you know, these days, oh, well, they got a losing record, but they still made the playoffs because they won their division. Yeah, this, this division was kind of a shithole to begin with. And here we are, the Falcons. They, they go out and just beat the crap out of the Buccaneers' backups. <laughs> and then <laughs> right. got their starters. They had their starters in there. Desmond Ritter goes 19 for 32, 24, two touchdowns. Tyler Algier, 24 carries for 135 yards. Let's face it, I think Arthur Smith believes Tyler Algier is going to be the guy in the, of the future over there. We're not and, sure why. Yeah, I don't know why either, but it is what it is. Drake London also six receptions for 120 yards. He has himself a nice game. I mean, the, it's the Falcons going out against the Bucks. They already knew the division was was at hand. The Bucks go out and sit their starters. I don't blame them uh, because they already won the division. So to hell with it. We're in the playoffs. Let's just roll with it. But the Bucks drop this one. They make the playoffs with a losing record. Tom Brady makes the playoffs with a losing record with a losing record for the first time in his career. Um, Wonder how he feels about that. Tom Brady coming into this weekend. Uh, if you're in the NFC, I think uh, it's, it, there's reason to be nervous with Tom Brady coming in, and he looked yeah. efficient in that part of the game that he played against the Falcons. And I get that it's the Falcons, but Tom Brady has looked very efficient these last two weeks. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, are you shitting your pants wondering which Tom Brady's going to show up this week? Well, you are wondering what version of Tom Brady is going to show up. You are concerned about that. Uh, also, if you're Tampa Bay, I would have to believe you're staring down two barrels of a Mossberg shotgun, in my opinion, because I mean these, this, this Dallas Cowboys team has been very, very dynamic all year. And the only reason that they're five seed is because their counterparts in the Philadelphia Eagles secured the number one seed and the division so you know you got pretty much the two best what two of the best teams in football in the same division and dallas just got the short end of the stick so you know i yes i would be very be very cautious and understand okay this is tom brady we're talking about this is the goat we're talking about this isn't some ragtag group of losers in in uh, in florida i mean they have tom brady at the helm so, you know, you're definitely not going to underestimate him. I don't think I'd be like, I mean, I wouldn't be, you know, 
shitting my pants if I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. I mean, if I was a Dallas Cowboys fan, I'd be drinking Bush Light and getting all yee-hawed and everything. But, but if I'm an outside, an outside observer looking in would go, okay, yeah, you got to be concerned. But at the same time, I think the Dallas Cowboys have what it takes to unseat the GOAT, you know, knock him out of the playoffs and go, okay, now we're going to refocus and reschedule and just show these people who the heck we really are. Yeah, I, I think that the uh, the Dallas Cowboys are, are preparing. We're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys shortly here. But they, uh, to me, I think the Dallas Cowboys should be a little concerned about Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady, is he's that guy that's going to turn it on and, and at any possible moment. When he gets hot, he gets hot. A lot of teams better, uh, you know, just be focused in on what the GOAT is going to do. You never know which Tom Brady's going to show up. He's in the playoffs, and he's pissed. Mm-hmm. We're going to see how it how it works out for a lot of folks in this one. The Bucks rest their starters. They've dropped one to the Falcons, and frankly, I don't think they give a shit. They're going to go into the playoffs, and they're going to try and be the first team to win a Super Bowl championship with a losing record. Uh, that just kind of makes me sick to my stomach. Right. And, hey, uh, moving forward, a super bad game. Now, if there was toilet bowl, this is the toilet bowl game. Yep. Uh, the Carolina Panthers go out and beat the New Orleans Saints ten to seven. What a yeah. game. Sam Darnold goes 5 for 15 for 43 yards and two interceptions. What a turd. <laughs> Absolutely. For 60 minutes of football, what are we doing here? It doesn't make sense. Uh, Andy Dalton goes 15 for 25 for 171 and one touchdown. Bad game for both. Camara, 23 carries for 107 yards. He was the star of this show. Told you. Really, it was just the running game for both teams. Chuba Hubbard had 21 carries for 69 yards. Dante Foreman had 12 carries for 68 yards. I mean, just, uh, I mean, Foreman, I, I, I just think the, the Panthers were kind of like, you know, there's no sense in trotting Foreman out there and risk him getting hurt at the end of the season. He, They know he's going to be their running back of the future. I think they're well aware of that. They trot Chuba Hubbard out there, and he has 21 carries. He only puts up a 3.3 average. I mean, bad game. Who gives a shit? Panthers go out and beat the Steelers ten to seven. Let's one, th- one thing. Uh, one thing I do want to point out also: um, our boy Chris Olave on the Saints uh, did get five catches for sixty yards and a touchdown. Clearly, he's their number one receiver as well. Refreshing to see. So going forward, you know, if, if they get a better quarterback, you know, and, and they have some better quarterback play, uh, do you think this Saints team becomes a little more dangerous? Oh, they become way more dangerous with, with good quarterback play, but they have to go out and they have to get the quarterback in the future. Andy Dalton, and, and nope. he's not the answer. Let's let's be real. Jameis Winston is not the answer. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, they, they need a true quarterback in the future. Enough of this playing around with free agents and and, and all this playing hee-haw with the fuck-around gang here. Let's, let's go out and get ourselves a legitimate quarterback out of this draft. Let's make something special happen. Let's put a good quarterback onto the field and 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 play New Orleans Saints football. At least that's what Dennis Allen should be looking at over there. Um, and and if they if they aren't willing to do that, then this Saints team will not be successful moving forward. So it is what it is. Um, next up, the Texans go out and beat the Colts thirty-two to thirty-one. This one was interesting to say the least. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to put it like this: first and foremost. 
the Colts are a dumpster fire. We know that. Uh, we know the Colts are going to go into this draft. They're going to be looking for their quarterback of the future. Sam Ellinger is not the guy. He goes 23 for 35, 209, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Zach Moss goes out as 18 carries for 114 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, this is just that obviously Jonathan Taylor hasn't been out there. Zach Moss probably just going to be a high-end backup for them. Uh, Deion Jackson went out, had six receptions for 75 yards. Personally, I think Deion Jackson is the better runner than Zach Moss, but I don't think they wanted to, to run Deion Jackson into the ground here. There's a, I mean, as far as the Colts go, we know what they need. Uh, we, we know they need a quarterback. We know they need to get one in this draft, a high-end one. Uh, we know that, that Jonathan Taylor is their guy. We know that they need a number two receiver. I mean, really, that's that's what it comes down to. Um, but the other thing on the other side, though, I want to talk about this Texans team. Um, and, and we're going to talk about, about Lovey Smith here for a minute. Mm-hmm. Lovey Smith gets fired after this game. Um, and and the, the Texans move on from their second coach in as many years. Uh, I, I want to just point out something. I've said it on this show. And, and I believe it. It's my opinion, and if other people want to disagree with me, they can. I don't really care. But I believe that the Houston Texans are the most racist organization in all of football. And and I will I I will stand on that and, and that I will die on that hill. And here's why. First they go out and they get a, a, another, a second black head coach in Lovey Smith. After all of the accusations um, about, you know, uh, uh, the, the McNair being a, a, a racist owner, uh, and and the, the, I, the Deshaun Watson incident with the whole with everything. Yep, and they had, there, and then the other Deshaun Watson would distance himself from the Texans for that reason. But then, then so first they go out and they hired Dave Pulley last year, and they give him one year. And in a failing situation, let's let's be real. It was a failing situation. It was this man, this man, Dave Coley. He was set up to fail. Mm-hmm. Set him up to fail. After all the accusations about about you know them being a racist organization and whatever the case may be, they they hired Dave Coley to go. Hey, look, we we hired a black head coach. That's what we did. And then we fire him after one year. Whether you set the man up to fail. And then, after everybody pointed out, well, hey, you set up Dave Culley to fail, and you you racist motherfuckers. After, after everybody said that, then you go over and you look at Lovey Smith. And you, they go, oh, well, we hired Lovey Smith. That's what we did. You know, you can't call us racist. We hired Lovey Smith. And you did the same damn thing. <laughs> Gave him one year and then kicked him out the door. Yeah, you did the same damn thing that you did the, the, the year before to David Culley, and, and now you're wondering why people are saying you're racist. And, and I want to point out that Lovey Smith is the most badass motherfucker over there. Lovey Smith's a bad man. Here's why. Lovey Smith knew he was getting fired. He knew he got set up by this Houston Texans organization. And at the end of this game, Lovey Smith said, you know, I could just take the loss here and give you guys the number one overall draft pick. You know what? I know Who are you. He, he, some, yeah, the, the score is an indicator that they basically said, you know what? Let's well, just I, beat I the Colts right here. I know I'm getting fired. 
So I'm going to go out and, and, and at the end of the game, here's Lovey Smith going for two to get the win and cost them the number one overall pick. Kudos to you, <laughs> Lovey Smith. Good on you, buddy. I, I love it. The fact that Lovey Smith went out and did something like that, and and whether or not he'll come out and admit that it was a legitimate, that it was a, a purposeful thing, uh, uh-uh. uh, I see, I know purposeful when I see it. Yeah, you, yeah, you, coming from the shady, coming from the uh, spiteful one himself. Oh, I, that's right. I I, 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 I use the wrong word. I apologize, but uh, but here's the thing too. Lovey Smith is a Super Bowl coach. Did he not lead the Chicago Bears to a Super Bowl one year? He did, and my my problem is is that you stuck the man, and and look, Davis Mills. I I was high on Davis Mills coming out of Stanford, and and I still am, and I still like Davis Mills a lot, and I think you know at this point, realistically, deep down, I wanted Davis Mills to be successful, but realistically, um, you know, he hasn't been. I think Davis Mills winds up being a very high end backup in this league, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but. <clears throat> I see Davis Mills um, come onto that field, and, and he wasn't successful for Lovey Smith, and, and he hasn't been successful the last two seasons. And you stuck him in a situation with Davis Mills, and then you wondered why things went awry. You know, like, and, and you didn't give him the proper personnel to be successful with this Houston Texans team. And, and here we are, you know, and, and you're wondering why they're failing. Oh, why'd you fail as a head coach? Oh, I don't know. Because your GM sucks? Yeah. You know, like, what do you want? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Lovey Smith's a good coach. <clears throat> but I'm glad the Houston Texans got to, you know, eat a shit burger on that one uh, for being a bunch of assholes. So the Texans go out and they win against the Colts uh, against their will, I guess. Uh, Lovey Smith gets fired. I mean, it, it's unfortunate. But I, I just, I, I just wanted to point that out. Lovey Smith is out the door after one season. I'm, I mean, it's just, it's a, an incredible situation. But anyway, uh, next up, the Niners and the Cardinals. This one was slated to be a beating, and it turned out to be a beating. The, yep. the Niners go out, stomp the Cardinals out, 38-13. David Blau was starting once again for the Cardinals. Ooh. Just what a mess. Trace McSorley came out on the field at one point, goes six for nine for 29 yards and interception. David Blau, 14 for 18, 180 yards, one touchdown, two picks. I mean, it was just a horrible game for the Cardinals. Uh, every nightmare that you, you could imagine. Um, yep. Cardinals drop one in the Niners, and, and the Niners come out doing their thing. Brock Purdy, 15 for 20, 178 yards, three touchdowns. Um, one thing I want to point out, a lot of people are, are high on Brock Purdy. He's having himself some great games. Um, you know, I just want to point out that the San Francisco 49ers have not been taking on good teams this year. Right. And a lot of people are fired up about the Niners. Oh, they're, they're doing this and that. Oh, my God, look at their record. Oh, my God, they're the number two seed in the NFC with this Mr. Irrelevant. And, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. And da-da-da-da-da. You know... The San Francisco 49ers, they have been taking on a lot of bottom-of-the-barrel teams this season, a lot of teams that, frankly, they should be beating. And and a lot of people are getting a little too excited about it. Um, <clears throat> I want to see what they do against real teams. If you look at their schedule this year, they, they took on the Bears, the Seats, the Broncos, the, the Rams, the Panthers, the Falcons, 
Then they took on the Chiefs and got stomped. The Rams. Then they took on the Chargers with no receivers on the field. And they narrowly won that one. Then they took on the Cardinals. And they took on the Saints. I mean, all bad teams outside of the Chiefs. Uh, the Dolphins without Tua. Yep. <clears throat> they took on the Buccaneers, who were struggling at the time. You, you took on the Seahawks. You, you took on who just who just squeaked their way into the playoffs, by the way. Right. You took on the Commanders. You took on the Raiders. You took on the Cardinals. I mean, these are all bottom-of-the-barrel teams or teams that, that were missing key pieces uh, to their team to make them successful, to make them a challenge for the San Francisco 49ers. People are getting excited about Brock, uh, Brock Purdy, and and it's okay to be excited about Brock Purdy. I think he's due for a comeback to Earth game, don't you? Yep. Well, it's not going to be this coming week uh, because if they're they're taking on their division rivals in the Seattle Seahawks, and I think we're really going to see them, you know, bounce out the door. Uh, we'll get in the pick. We'll get into the picks later on. Uh, but you have to kind of look forward uh, into uh, you know what's you know the standings. So if you take a look at the standings, uh, you know in, in the NFC, you know the, the number two seed obviously goes up against the number eight seed or yeah, the seventh seed. Niners, because, it's going to be Niners Seahawks this weekend. Right, right. I'm with you there. I'm just looking forward to the divisional round. You know, uh, that they may either fight, be you know playing the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Football Giants if the Giants can. You know, squeak out a, a win against the. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. We're we're probably going to be looking at. Uh, you know, Dallas is probably going to stop out Tampa Bay. So we're, we might be seeing uh, Dallas versus San Francisco. That that old chestnut, uh, that old classic playoff matchup. So uh, so. Ne- I've got a special present for you coming up here in prediction land, but but we'll we'll talk about that shortly. But mm-hmm. I, I think I think the Niners, you know, people but, really believe right now that the Niners are going to stomp out the Seahawks this weekend, and yep. that's okay. Um, that's okay, and I, we'll talk about my prediction shortly. But I don't think people should be sleeping on the Seahawks right now. I'll, I'll say that much. Just a little preview there. I don't think people should be sleeping on the Seahawks so quickly. But as for the Niners taking on the Cardinals here, I mean, they go out, they 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 do what they're going to do. I mean, they, they, they got it done. I mean, Elijah Mitchell came out of the field. Again, the, the Niners sort of rested starters in this game. Uh, they did have Brandon Ayuk come out, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. I mean, it, it, they kind of, I mean, they had Jordan Mason run the ball. They had Tyreon Davis-Price running the ball. They, they got everybody involved here. It, it, it was just, you know, a, a stomping of an Arizona Cardinals team that was just bad. Um, and, and the Cardinals team, they, they went out and kind of ran everybody else as well. They had Corey Clement out there, and Greg Dortch ran the ball a couple of times. He's a tight end, by the way. Uh, Tr- Trace McSorley was running, and Farrell Cooper, and Keontae Ingram, and A.J. Green was receiver one in the game. I mean, it was like, rest your starters. Our season's over, and our season's were the number two seed. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's the Niners beating the hell out of the Cardinals. Um, the next one, kind of interesting, though. Commanders go out and beat the Cowboys 26-6. to Dak Prescott goes 14 for 37. Oof. 28 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Now, look, I realize that the Washington Commanders' strength this year has been in their defense and their passing game, really. But... Mm-hmm. 
If you would have told me that Dak Prescott's going to go 14 for 37 for 118 or 128 yards, a touchdown, and a pick, and I'm supposed to feel like the Dallas Cowboys are on point going into the playoffs, getting ready to take on the Bucks. Mm. Yeah, I, I get it. If you post a phony stat line like that, it's kind of making you ask questions. And they had I get it. They had their starters on the field. This wasn't just like, oh, hey, we went out and started our backups leading into the playoffs. No, 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 no. Nay, nay, my friend. We had starters in the game. We had C.D. Lamb out there. We had Dalton Schultz out there. We had T.Y. Hilton out there. We had Michael Gallup out there. We had Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott out there. And this is what we got from this Dallas team against the Washington Commanders going into the playoffs. Okay, yep. So I, I knew that there had to have been some sort of trump card you were going to uh, pull out and then put on the table, and here it is. It's the tra- you know, or trap card or something. Here it is. You know, uh, and oddly enough, you know, Sam Howell went 11 for 19, 169 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Not a bad stat line for a quarterback that we haven't seen all year. Yep. And they, they played him in a limited capacity a little bit. They kind of gave him like almost like a pitch count. Oh, we're going to have a 19, 19 throws for you. And he goes 11 for 19, which isn't bad. He didn't have a bad stat line for, for the, the number of throws that he made. Um, <clears throat> I thought Sam Howell played well in reserve, and, and they, they scooped him up. You got to remember, Sam Howell, um, in last year's draft, had he not – so in this last draft that we had – uh, obviously, he went later in the draft. In the draft before that, he would have been the number one overall pick or been staring down the idea of being a very high first-rounder uh, out of North Carolina there. He decided to stick around while a lot of his high-end teammates went into the draft, and then he stayed for an, for his senior year, and he had a very rough year, and so his draft stock plummeted. I like Sam Howell a lot. I, I said it a while back. Um, I, I, I do like him. I still like him. I think he could be the quarterback of the future for the Washington Commanders. Whether or not they stick with Riverboat Ron, we'll find out. Um, right. But at the end of the day, Sam Howell got the start here, and he looked damn good. And I don't know if they're going to stick with Taylor Heineke either. We'll, we'll see what the, the Commanders choose to do. But I'm excited about the rookie, Sam Howell. Um, and next year, is, in his sophomore year, we'll see if he winds up being the starter for them. I think that the, the commanders, though, they did a hell of a job uh, uh, beating up on the Cowboys here. Scary Terry McLaurin broke a 1,000 yards this year. Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of hope, I think, for this Washington commanders team based on guys like Terry McLaurin, based on guys like Jahan Dotson. And, and I don't think there's as much hope. I think they do need a tight end. I think if they want to run this spread offense situation that they've been running with, with you know, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, and, and Terry McLaurin, that they're going to have to get themselves another receiver, like a big, like go into the draft and draft one. I don't know if Curtis Samuel's the answer over there. He started out really hot, which was great. I know Tyler was really big on him when he was here. I, you know, I, I'm not as big on, on Curtis Samuel at this point. I'm, like I said, early on in the season, he was looking like the number one. And now that we're later in the season, eh, not so much. Um, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, okay. Like, I can feel that. I, I feel that. I don't think Logan Thomas is the answer at tight end either. They need a tight end, and they need a wide receiver. And I think that's going to be the direction they're going to have to go in order to fix this offense. Um, but I do think they have their running back in the future in Brian Robinson. 
Washington's going to have some special years ahead of them. You wait as long as they keep his defense intact, which has been pretty damn good for them these last couple of years. Uh, and and they stomped out the Dallas Cowboys, who are, are the five seed. I yeah. mean, you, you fire, are you fired up for the future of the Washington Commanders? Yes, I am. You know, um, I, th- I think they've got a lot of good pieces together this year. You know, they had Taylor Heineke come out and, and basically have the players all fight for him. You know, that was very surprising to see. You know, you, you got this Sam Howell kid, you know, who's, you know, you know showing his you know prowess here. And you, you have a group of guys, you know, kind of like the Detroit Lions who rally around pl- certain players, rally around certain people and, you know, kind of like have that gritty you know, outlook on, you know, hey, we're gonna we're just gonna play our hearts out and we're gonna we're gonna do what we can to win this football game. Uh, you know, so it's it's unlike the Dallas Cowboys who seem to be resting on their laurels even with their starters. So if, if you know, now now with this piece of information and this game in my memory, you know, now instead of, maybe the Bucks might beat the Cowboys. It's 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 one of those things where it's like, oh we're gonna make the playoffs and then get bounced in the first round. Yeah. Yet again. There is no joy in Dallas. We'll see. I'm, I'm still thinking about it. Cowboys fans are still yelling out about how they're damn boys, but uh, they better just kind of be waiting with bated breath with how this uh, last week's game looked and how this upcoming game is going to wind up looking with Tommy Brady looking about as uh, efficient as he has looked in a while. So, Cowboys drop one to the Seahawks or to the uh, Commanders here, 26 to six. The Rams, however. Drop one to the Seahawks. 19 to 16. It was a tight one. The Seahawks winning this game officially eliminated the Detroit Lions. Your Detroit mm-hmm. Lions from playoff contention before Sunday night football. So yep. there were some playoff implications here. The Seahawks kept their their uh, playoff hopes alive with this win and then made their way into the playoffs with the Lions defeating the Green Bay Packers later, which we'll, which we'll talk about in, in a minute. Um Baker Mayfield, 50% completion percentage. He did not look 147 yards in a pick. Cam Akers, there's the man. 21 carries for 104 yards. Look, I I, I am not feeling this this Rams team. This is not the same Rams team that was was setting the world ablaze. Last oh, for sure. No, no way. Yeah, yeah. When Kevin when Kevin O'Connell skipped town, I mean this 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 team. We didn't think this team would fall off a cliff the way they did. No, I mean we. We th- we thought, oh, that's a little surprising, you know, yeah, you know, but you know, at least with Matthew Stafford, and at least with you know these these was you know with with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, they should be fine. But we haven't heard Cooper Cup's name, you know, in weeks. Why? Because he got hurt. I mean, and that's the at the end of the day. I mean, Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup not being on the field was a huge loss, and uh, we're gonna keep the streak going. Matt Stafford needs Tommy John surgery. <laughs> I don't give a shit what anybody has to say. The man needs Tommy John. You, we can we can talk about it till we're blue in the face. The man needs Tommy John surgery, and I will continue to say that. I, I there is nothing in the world that will make me think otherwise. I truly believe Matt Stafford needs Tommy John. Um, and and if you're getting injections in your elbow, buddy, you're basically on that route. You're on that Ben Roethlisberger style train. You need Tommy John. Um, but uh, Seattle goes out and they keep their, their playoff hopes alive. Geno Smith, I mean, he didn't play extraordinarily well. Obviously, he was 19 for 31, 213, one touchdown, two picks. But a guy that did play pretty damn well was Kenny Walker, 29 carries, 114 yards. He had a 3.9 average. I understand it's a low average or lower average, but 
Kenny Walker still carried the load for this team. And you're, supposed it, to, you're supposed to get 100 yards for carrying the ball 29 times. Yeah, but he still carried the ball uh, 29 times. He carried the load against a very tough Rams run defense. People often re- don't realize that the Rams run defense has been very good in the last couple of years. So Kenny Walker still getting over 114 yards or getting 114 yards in this game. Good on him. I, I'm, I'm happy for him. He also had one catch for 10 yards in this game. Uh, Kenneth Walker basically carried the load for this team. The Seahawks didn't necessarily look great, um, they, but they, it's a divisional round game. They always had a hard time against the Rams. Uh, they squeak one out here. They make their way into the playoffs. They are officially the seventh seed. Uh, you know, and here we go. Seattle in the in the playoffs. What else is new? They're just keeping themselves alive, just like they have year over year over year. Uh, they, they just constantly seem to do it. Uh, next up, the Eagles go out and beat the Giants 22-16. to uh, Look, it wasn't a fantastic game for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts came back. He still has the injured shoulder. He was 20 for 35 for 229 and a pick. It was kind of a tough game for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts playing hurt, but still they get it done. Um, the, you know, the Giants, they struggled with them, but at the same time, the Giants, they started, they knew that they're not going anywhere in their playoff positioning. They started Davis Webb on the day. I mean, they, they didn't have their starters out there. They knew there was nothing. Uh, nothing to really play for. Yeah. For, was, except, it, except to eliminate, you know, to, to cost the Eagles the number one seed, but then Dallas lost. So then who gives a shit? Right. Exactly. I think the Giants realized who cares. Uh, we're going to go out. We're not going to start our starters. We're going to start our backups out there. This is our, our lineup card. Davis Webb comes out there 23 for 40 for 160 yards and a touchdown. I mean, and it's smart. You know, you're going into the playoffs. You're going to be playing the Minnesota Vikings. You know, you, you already know that that's a fact. So I'm like, well, okay, then why go through all the trouble? Exactly. You know, we, need, we need our number one guys. We need our Saquons. We need our Dean Joneses. You know, we need our guys uh, for that game. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what they did. And then the Eagles were very focused on getting that number one seed to make sure. And to the Eagles' credit, they do get the number one seed, so they get the bye. Jalen Hurts gets to rest up a little bit. Jalen Hurts actually said, thank God for bye weeks. Yes, <laughs> he did. He did. I was going to say something like that. Thank God we get, thank God we get to rest a week because yep. that shoulder's still bugging him. So, exactly. hmm. Yeah, having having a couple extra weeks is or having I mean he basically gets to, to relax for the next fourteen days. Um, good for that, or for the next seven days now. Uh, so, but uh, fourteen days from this game, he got to gets to rest up. So, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles wind up with the one seed, twenty two to sixteen over the Giants. I mean, it is what it is at this point, um, and both these teams make the playoffs. Next up sort of a surprise uh the broncos go out and beat the chargers 31 to 28 just a weird game broncos defense has been playing everybody in in tough in these weird situations russ wilson comes out does not play well but still gets three passes in the end zone what the fuck is going on the star of the show was jerry judy five receptions for 154 yards he was just catching deep ball after deep ball um there were no answers for him you know, they, this Chargers team is just so hot and cold, and and that's kind of been the story for them all year long. They've just been hot and cold. Mike Williams, and there's a ton of injuries that have been happening to this team. Mike Williams is hurt again. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Keenan Allen in this game, eight receptions, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. The thing is, is that Keenan Allen can't do it all by himself. 
the the Chargers need to say to hell with Mike Williams and injury prone ass. They need to go out and they need to draft themselves a a true wide receiver two or even their new wide receiver one. They need to start shifting some of the old heads out and and these injury prone players out. Find themselves receivers of the future for Justin Herbert because obviously what he's got is not it. Um, and I also think they need a true every down back. If you are not going to use Austin Eckler as an every down back because of his size, which seems to be the, the failing concept here, 11 carries for 34 yards, then you need to find yourself an every down back. And, and I don't think Josh Kelly is the guy. So let's let's call it what it is. Austin Eckler is the high-end change of pace back that you always wanted, but you need to find yourself an every down yeah, you need to find yourselves a bell cow back. Yep, that's what they need because Austin Eckler isn't it. So uh, the Chargers go out and they drop this one to the uh, the Broncos. Latavius Murray, 15 carries for 103 yards and a touchdown as well in this game. So, I mean, sort of a surprise. I think it's kind of silly for the Broncos to go out and trot starters out there and try and beat up on the Chargers for no reason. Uh, realistically, the Broncos, I mean, they had nothing to play for here. I mean, they, they, really what they should have gone is they should have started their backups, lost this game, taken the higher draft pick, and bet on with it. Right, exactly. It is It is what it is at this point. And then last but not least, the game I know you've been waiting for very mm-hmm. so patiently, like like a, a kid in the toy store waiting for mom to walk up to the register and pay for the, the special toy you've always wanted. <laughs> The Detroit Lions, they trod in the Lambeau, and they beat the, the Green Bay Packers 20-16. to 16. Um, Yeah, buddy. Uh, I'm here for it. Uh, the, the Lions, so they really had nothing to play for in this game with the Seahawks winning early on. Uh, the Lions, they, I mean, it was just for pride at this point. It was for pride and to play playoff spoiler to Aaron Rodgers. And mm-hmm. went out and, and Dan Campbell came out at, actually at halftime and said, we're here to play spoiler. That's yep. what we're here. <laughs> and you know what? And I'll, I'll I'll throw this out there too. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, Detroit didn't really have much to play for." I disagree with that statement. Um, you you want to talk about a team that started one and six, and one, and then got to got to five hundred before this game, and they had an opportunity to do two things: knock Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs, which we know everybody wants wanted them to do. But number two, to end the season with a winning record, I think that in and of itself is a tremendous accomplishment for a team that started one and six. Yeah. You know, and then, and then got got you know Dan Campbell actually mentioned in Hard Knocks that you know we're going to come alive week eight, man, and damned if they didn't. <laughs> right around that time, it was like. And the other thing I want to point out is is the division standings. The Detroit Lions finished second in the division this year. Right. So I mean, they, they wind up finishing number two in the division, uh, where everybody thought the Green Bay Packers, myself included, were going to wind up as number two in this division. Uh, the Detroit Lions wind up as number two in the division at nine and eight. So, I mean, they, they wind up as second in the NFC North, um, which has got to feel pretty damn good being better than the Packers and better than the Bears. Granted, my Vikings obviously had themselves a hell of a year. But, you know, the Lions, I think, are one of those dangerous teams. And I've been talking about it all long. I've been waiting for this offense to come alive. They did. Um, And they fired up all all throughout the back half. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm thrilled that both of these teams were eliminated from the playoffs. Of course. Want to run into either one of them? Uh, I think that the the Detroit Lions were dangerous as all hell. We we took a loss to both these teams late at late in the season. Uh, the Lions were hot and they were dangerous. 
The Packers were hot and they were dangerous. Both of them were. And I, I feel like we really would have had a hard time beating these teams in the playoffs if we ran into them um, because they had our number at that particular time. The Lions offense is scary. Uh, Jamison Williams, he's been getting uh, um, a little bit more work, not as much as I expected. Uh, but uh, Here, here's, the, here's the player of the day, though. Jamal Williams, a former Green Bay Packer in his own right. Got 16 carries for 72 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, the man basically scored 90% of the Lions' offense, and then you attack on a couple field goals. And really, the, the, the and the play of the game obviously it was fourth down. You don't what you, what one thing you did not want to do any any time you're playing the Green Bay Packers. If you've got a chance to ice the game, you do not. You do not want to give Aaron Rodgers the football at a couple of minutes and 80 yards because he'll do it with with you know he'll do it with a a, a matchbox a, a flint and you know so, some some uh, newspaper he'll he'll do it he'll go down that field because he's a bad man so the fact that the Lions went for it on fourth and they made that pass up the middle to DJ Chark and basically stuck the dagger into the you know that last couple of seasons you know in the Matt Patricia era they had they had this slogan called it's dagger time which was a very ill-timed uh, uh, slogan at the time because you know it, it, it talked to the fact that they couldn't finish games you know uh, in the 2020 season Matt Patricia's Lions you know started the started the game against the Chicago Bears 23 to 6 and they ended up getting vaporized in the fourth quarter so to see something like this, where the where the Detroit Lions had an opportunity to ice the game and they did, you know that's just something completely and utterly refreshing as a Lions fan. Yep, and we we've seen the resurgence of running backs this year. Uh, you know, going into last year, Tyler repeatedly talked about how the running back is a dying thing, and we only had seven running backs that broke a thousand yards last year, whatever the case this year. This year, we're talking about sixteen running backs breaking a thousand yards. Jamal Williams is one of those guys. He had 1,066 yards, and uh, guess what? 17 touchdowns. Led the league in rushing touchdowns. And he, bro- yep, he broke Barry Sanders' single-season touchdown record. How about that? How about that? He's a special running back. Uh, I thought he was a good pickup when he when he got uh, snagged. And uh, here we are. The Lions go out and beat the Packers 20-16. to 16. And one thing I want to point out, uh, the, just the last thing, um, Packers fans... So, here's the thing about the Packers fans, and, and uh, there was a lot of, of whiny shit talk and whatever else going on. Um, you know, the, it was it was kind of funny. Um, Jair Alexander went out and posted uh, a status that, that said, hashtag does gritty was, was what he posted about it because he did the gritty on, on Justin Jefferson during the Vikings matchup. Uh, I'll say just this, hashtag to the couch. Because yep. have a seat, have yeah. a seat, yeah, have a seat. Um, but one thing I do also want to point out about the Packers: the Packers fans are talking about how, well, and, and folks, I, I'm I'm sorry to go on this little tangent here, but the right. fans going, well, at least we own our team, and it's not just owned by some old tax dodging businessman. And yeah, yeah, yeah. hang on a minute, let me let me make this abundantly clear. You don't own your team. You got fleeced for $100 pieces of paper that say you own the team. 
when you don't actually own the team. They, they mailed you a piece of paper that I could have printed off in my home saying that you own the team. You don't own dick. You, know not, you own nothing. And then a lot of folks were, were saying, oh, well, there's, there's a reason. There's a reason why we do that so that, that they don't take advantage of the taxpayers in this town. You Have you seen your field? This field is a shithole. I don't care what anybody says. That is the biggest dump of a fucking stadium that I have seen in a long time. Your field looks like you just had a crash derby on it. It looks horrible. It looks like somebody came out to midfield and gave you a fucking lawn job. And I'm supposed to sit here and go, oh, what a great field. Hey, you you taxpayers could use a good fleecing of your tax money, for Christ's sake. With that shithole as your big fucking field? My God. What a fucking horrible place to play football. Jesus Christ. It's like playing in a mud pit. I don't understand it. Doesn't yeah. You know, you know, we do we do as Lions fans criticize our owners in the Ford family. You know, we criticized Martha, we criticized uh, you know the other the other the, her husband. We criticized you know you know we we've, we've been critical of Sheila Fordham. We've said over and over again, sell the team, sell the team. Well, I think Sheila Fordham and Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, the GM. Uh, they they came together and they they put together a team that we can finally believe in, like believe in. You know, Jared Goff is a top ten quarterback. Jamal Williams is is their star running back. We have DeAndre Swift. We have Jamison Williams. We have Hutch. We have Rodriguez. You know, we have uh, Bugs. We have Panay Sewell. Panay Sewell caught a pass, a very critical pass. In a game against, uh, I believe it was the Minnesota Vikings, kept that drive alive. You know, it, 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 this team is very, very dynamic. You know, it, it's it's so so refreshing to see something like this come out of the other. Yeah, that dot uh, tax dodging owners. Okay, sure, but our field's a hell of a lot better to play in than your than your dump of a field. A title town. Okay, sure. When Brett Favre was in town. Yeah, it's a shithole. Let's be real. It's a shithole of a field. And and they, they can't even take care of their turf. And they're going to talk about, oh, 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 just so we don't get fleeced as taxpayers. No, 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 no. Your, your field's a dump. Lambeau Field is a dump. It's a high school field that, that got rained on. And then you had your players going out there and playing with their their seven spike cleats, and they ripped up the field, and then you just left it that way. That's basically all it is. It's a high school level field. It's garbage, absolute garbage. But it is what it is. The 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 Packers get eliminated by the Lions. Both these teams eliminated from the playoffs. But I do agree with you. I do think the Lions have something uh, to be excited about. Um, the only thing that that they don't have to be excited about is their offensive coordinator. Uh, possibly leaving the team, which man, I'm crossing yeah. fingers as a Vikings fan that he does because that right. man, is a damn good offensive coordinator. He he truly is. I, you know, it would not surprise me to know that he's being courted with offers uh, for teams. That's one thing we got to keep our eye on. Yep. You know, uh, they could be going after John, they could be going after John Glenn too, the Aaron Glenn, the uh, defensive coordinator. Well, we I were was- critical. We were critical of him in the first half of the season, but he turned it around. You know, that whole team turned it around. They're not going after John Glenn, the, the man that, that walked on the moon or 
<laughs> I apologize. It was Aaron Glenn, but you get you get what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> but nonetheless, you know it's 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 important to keep an eye out on that stuff. Absolutely. So, uh, Alex, we're going to take ourselves a quick break. Um, we're gonna we're gonna jump into our our official show MVP and our LVP of the year. We're also going to be talking about our rookie rankings, our final rookie of the year. So we've got that. And then we're going to talk about some news around the league. And then we're going to go through our picks, baby. It's going to be uh, it's going to be some fun stuff. So we're going to jump right in after a break here. <clears throat> and this will be our, our last time for, for the season, basically. I mean, until Super Bowl weekend, this will be our last time doing our top 10 uh, of mm-hmm. the year, which uh, we, we don't we don't generally do it. Uh, and after the regular season, we don't generally do that or continue doing it until uh, the Super Bowl. Um, and, and we'll wind up talking about that uh, when the time comes. But uh, let's take ourselves a quick break and we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's your time massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the Cannonball Alex Steele. Yeah, yay! <laughs> I'm, I'm the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown. We are, uh, we are back. We are back. We are back. Uh, Alex had a little PT going on. Yep, just a, just a, it's a little a little situation here. We had to clear that up. So, uh, <laughs> but I feel a lot lighter though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ten pounds. About 10 times. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I, feel, I feel more flexible, too. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. This <laughs> but, uh, Alex, we are um, we, we have our final top 10 of the year, our, our, our top 10, our final, our MVP, our LVP. We're going to jump into the rankings there. Um, so our, here are our final top 10 rankings for the show MVP. We're going to start out with number 10, uh, Travis Kelsey. Comes in at number 10. He has uh, 110 receptions, 1,338 yards, and 12 touchdowns. 1,300 yards for a tight end is, like, unheard of. I, yeah. I'm just blown away by that. Yeah, well, it, we, we've said it on this show. You know, basically, when it comes to tight ends, it's Travis Kelsey and everybody else. Exactly. And that's that's basically what it, it was. Travis Kelsey and everybody else. And, uh, my God, that, mm-hmm. that had itself a year I, I can't believe uh, just the the craziness uh, of him. And it's, it's like it's like you know, oh, the Super Bowl caliber team was one thing. Well, what about this? What about this? You know, yeah. it's like this could this could be an omen to this could be another uh, 
another notch on the on the belt of uh, Patrick Mahomes and the and the Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you not agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. And and we're going to wind up talking about Patty Mahomes here because in a minute because uh, he is in fact on this list. We know that him and Justin Jefferson were just <laughs> for that that number one spot, but we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, number nine goes to Nick Chubb. He had uh, 302 rushes on the year, 1,525 yards, 12 touchdowns, and a fumble. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb was, at the beginning of the year, red hot. He was leading the league in rushing for a little while there, and then he wound up kind of falling off a little bit, but he still stayed relevant. Uh, still puts up 1,525 on the year, a great number. Yep. Um, puts him in the in the top tier of the running back situation. Uh, Nick Chubb's a special running back. I think that... Uh, when he got picked up, when he originally got drafted, uh, there was a few people out there that really thought that Nick Chubb was going to wind up being a special running back for the Browns, and he's turned out to just be a stud. Uh, health is a bit of a factor for him. You know, he gets running. He, it's a run-first offense, and he kind of gets run into the ground a little bit. But at the end of the day, Nick Chubb <laughs> won a very respectable stat line and, and uh, winds up putting up some great numbers here. Special running back for the Browns, right? Absolutely. You know, uh, he's every bit the he's every bit the running back we thought he was going to be. You know, it's it's a little surprising. Well, not well with with the injuries. I mean, I guess it's uh, it, it speaks to why he's so low on this list. But again, you're talking about the top 10 players in on, you know, in the league on this show, at least, you know, people are going to have debates. People are going to have like their favorites and people are going to have uh, cases for other people. But, you know, I, you know, this is a very it's a very impressive stat line for Nick Chubb. You know, and it's and it's only going to get better from here. I think. You know, uh, they really need to stick with him. You know, he's really a key part of that offense. You know, and if they could just you know tweak a couple things. You know, if, if uh, um, Deshaun Jackson, not Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson, can you know t- tighten things up a little bit at the quarterback position, we might see a, a, an improvement in this Browns team. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that we do for Nick Chubb's sake. I feel like he's almost wasting <clears throat> away over there in Cleveland at the moment. Right. Uh, but we'll see what happens for him in the future. Uh, number eight goes to a man that was sort of playing for a contract. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now it's kind of a, I feel like the Raiders are kicking themselves at this point. Josh Jacobs, 340 rushes on the year. He had 1,653 yards, 12 touchdowns, two fumbles on the year. He leads the league in rushing. He finishes out with the as the uh, single season rushing champion this year. The Raiders have got to be kicking themselves, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and if if they don't uh, find a way to get a, uh, uh, <laughs> if, if 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 oh, sorry, if it, if the the idea is with uh, Josh Jacobs is, you know, if he does decide to go to another team, if they don't, if the Raiders don't pick up his contract, you know, they're a great player is going to end up walking out the door here. Yeah. Well, the thing about about Josh Jacobs right now is they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He's still young. He still has a lot of tread on the tires. His fifth-year option on his rookie deal. <clears throat> and and so whoever gets him is going to be paying him top dollar regardless. Uh, he's a top-tier running back. I feel like, you know, we're kind of in that realm where we're like, okay, this guy's going to get paid $15 million a year. Uh, and, and a lot of us didn't feel that way at the beginning of the year because of injuries and things like that. Now here we are, Josh Jacobs, looking like every bit of the stud – that he said he was, and the Raiders, I mean, they're shitting their pants now. You just lost Derek Carr, or you're getting ready to trade Derek Carr away. You, you're, you got this top-tier running back that you're going to have to pay $15 million a year. 
I, I mean, it's it's going to be rough for the Raiders if they don't get this guy back on the field and get him, you know, re-signed to a long-term deal. I really do think Josh Jacobs is a special player, and uh, the Raiders need to keep him around for the long term. Uh, that's just what it is at this point. Uh, number seven, however, <clears throat> goes to a guy who goes to a completely different system, sort of expected, Tyree Kill. 119 yards, 17, or I'm sorry, 119 receptions, 1,710 yards, seven touchdowns on the year. Special player for this Dolphins offense. He was the number one, uh, uh, he was, well, I guess he was 1A over there for the, the Dolphins. I mean, 1A, 1B would have been uh, Jalen Waddell. But Tua Tungavailoa loves throwing a ball to Tyreek Hill. Hell, I would love to throw a ball to Tyreek Hill. Um, he's just a special player, makes a lot, makes a lot of plays with his legs. Um, and he had a a hell of a season i i didn't look it up but i can only imagine how much of that was rack yeah. uh, based rack. on what we've seen and to his speed i mean it's just incredible absolutely insane player i mean he he, he graduates from the uh kansas city system after getting the super bowl you know he continues his uh continues his ways with a different organization you know, and they're and they're in the playoffs. You know, thanks to uh, their <laughs> their squeak victory over the Jets, they're in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, with Tua not starting, it's going to be very concerning since they're staring down the double-barreled shotgun barrel of the Buffalo Bills. But you know, if any if any player has the ability to you know measure up to the Buffalo Bills, it's Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle right beside him. You know, that one A one B combo is absolutely uh, is is absolutely something to see. Yeah, it's lethal over there. I I, I believe that with the right quarterback play, um, they're scary. Uh, Number six goes to a guy that had a rough start to the season, but then came on and continued on. I I mean, had himself a hell of a year. Joe Burrow comes in at number six, uh, 414 414 out of 606. So he had himself a pretty uh, 68.3 completion percentage on the year, which is actually pretty damn good. 4,475 yards. He had 35 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and most of those interceptions honestly came really early in the year. He also had 75 rushes for 275 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, Joe Burrow's a special player. Obviously, when he got picked up number one overall in the draft a few years ago, um, everybody was talking about him. He had a rough year one. Year two, he goes into the the Super Bowl and comes uh, comes out as the AFC uh, uh, representative. I mean, Joe Burrow is a great player. He's going to be a great player for the Cincinnati Bengals for a long time. Uh, he started appearing on our list pretty uh, quite a bit, you know, and, and a lot of these guys, for the record, just so you know, folks, we have a, I do have a point, um, a point deal of how I, I actually uh, uh, figure out who our show MVP is, and it's based on a point system. Uh, <clears throat> These guys show up on our top 10 every week. So that top 10 is is very determining on how these guys show up as our MVP. And uh, Joe Burrow, I mean, when he came on, he came on. And he consistently seemed to show up on our list. Nick Chubb early on in the season was showing up a lot on our list. Tyree Kill, I mean, throughout the entire year was showing up on our list for the most part. I mean, it and it, he'd be low, he'd be high sometimes. But Joe Burrow... Um, he consistently showed up on our list throughout the course of the year, and and he winds up as number six here. Uh, he's a special player for the Bengals. They've got their quarterback for the long term, and when his contract is up, he is eligible, by the way, for a contract extension, as is Justin Jefferson this year, which is going to be some lucrative deals. Yep. But uh, ultimately, Joe Burrow, quarterback of the future for the Bengals, he's something special, right? Absolutely. You know, um, Cincinnati really uh, you know, struck gold with this kid. You know, they call him Joe Cool. 
you know, and he's like, he has like ice water in his veins in the pocket, you know, and he's mobile, you know, 75 rushes for 275 yards. Are you kidding me? You know, that's like, that's, that's running back numbers. I mean, and, and, you know, but we're going to see some numbers here in a minute that we're going to really sit and take pause and go, my God. But anyway, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow, you know, that we're, we're really slowly rolling into this, this era of the mobile quarterback. Yeah. We really started seeing it with the early advent of Russell Wilson, but more often than not, these quarterbacks are scrambling more often than they're staying in the pocket. I mean, not, not to say that, you know, the pocket passes are still very, you know, alive and well, but when you have a player that can do both, that's something special. One thing I want to point out about Joe Burrow is, is you know, that the 275 yards, it's not necessarily a high number, but, but the thing is, is he's able to to sit back in the pocket and, and make really good decisions. He's a really good pocket passer, and, and he learned a lot of that in LSU. He didn't have to scramble a lot, but when he does have to scramble, he does so, and he does so effectively, and, and you got to really appreciate the fact that he's able to do so effectively um, when, the, when the, the situation calls for it. 275 yards. I mean, yeah, he didn't he didn't go crazy. He didn't have a million yards like some of these other guys on this list we're going to be talking about. I mean, rushing-wise, oh, my God. But uh, Joe Burrow, he's a hell of a player. He's a hell of a pocket passer. The po- And I've always, I've always stressed this. Uh, running quarterbacks, generally speaking, don't survive in the NFL unless their names are like Josh Allen uh, or, or Russ Wilson, stuff like Patrick that. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. They they don't they don't really last these mobile quarterbacks. They don't really last in the NFL because they get popped a lot. Um, and we're starting to see the the um, the Lamar Jackson situation kind of wind down here. I think because he's getting, been getting popped a lot as well. Uh, but Joe Burrow winds up as six on the list. Hell of a season for him. Number five goes to old Devonte Adams. Goes to a new system. Still puts up a hundred receptions for fifteen hundred and sixteen yards. And 14 touchdowns. Huge year for Devontae Adams in spite of the fact that the Raiders were only a six-win team. Right. You know, he goes to a new system. He went over there. Him and Derek Carr have the rapport. Derek Carr is not going to be there after this year. Uh, Devontae Adams is going to have to play with a new quarterback. But, you know, I think he's going to be okay if they get the right <laughs> guy. I, and they have an early-round draft pick, so they're going to wind up having sort of the pick of the litter there. Devontae Adams doing Devontae Adams things, right? Absolutely. You know, we kind of laughed last week when he said, you know, oh, this Jared Stidham kid, you know, gave me the touches that I needed. So, you know, I'm really excited to be to continue to be a Raider when he said, well, I'm here for Derek Carr, you know, and now that Derek Carr's leaving, I'm leaving too. Well, and then they pumped the brakes and gave him all the carries uh, with Jared Stidham last week. Uh, not so much this week because obviously, you know, Jared Stidham was a one-trick pony. But still, uh, you know, very dynamic player. You know, Aaron Rodgers has probably still got a photo of him in his room, and he's caressing it like Wolverine. But, <laughs> but you know, um, so yeah, I, I think I think it, it would be a boon for the Raiders to keep a hold of him. You know, to have him walk and go anywhere else, you know, it would really just dro- drop their stock. Yeah, he's one of the best receivers in the league, hands down. Uh, you know, you you really can't hold a candle to him. And I know a lot of folks are going well. He didn't have as many yards as Tyreek Hill, but he also had double the touchdowns as Tyreek Hill, 14 mm. to 7 in that category. So He caught a lot of bombs. Yeah, bear that in mind, folks. Points, 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 points. And he had 49 more points than uh, Tyreek Hill in that situation. So that's a, in, a in your deal. In your scoring system. Well, no. Points as in 14 touchdowns to 7 okay. touchdowns. I mean, right. okay. 49 okay. more points in that situation. So... Bear that in mind. Number four, however, 
goes to Jalen Hurts. Uh, 306 for 460. He had 3,701 yards on the year, a 66.5 completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, just six interceptions. So he was pretty damn accurate. 165. Here's the thing that put him as high as he did. Yep. 165 rushing rushes for 760 yards and 13 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, huge year for him. He accounted for five touchdowns, whether it be by air or by ground. Uh, the only thing we're missing is by sea here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he also accounted for, um, I, I I mean, 4,400 yards of, of offense. I mean, it's just, it's insane. I think, I believe it's 4,461 yards of total offense. I mean, it's insane. Special player. Um, Jalen Hurts has has really uh, made us eat our words in a way because yep. we, we we thought Jalen Hurts was a bum and that he was a bust and that you know he wasn't going to come on this year. He came on in a big way. Obviously, the Eagles have the number one seed. He's turned into a special player. What what do you make of Jalen Hurts? Just absolutely dynamic, absolutely phenomenal. <clears throat> you know, I think the seeds were planted early uh, in the first game against the Lions where basically uh, the Lions dropped 35 points on the Eagles and, you know, they eked out a victory. You know, they basically kicked a field goal. Uh, but Jalen, but the one thing I want to point out is Jalen Hurts was the guy that was running the ball all over the place. Yep. You know, they couldn't, the Lions couldn't stop him. They could stop everybody else. So, uh, you know, that's something interesting to, to note. So, uh, <clears throat> but to see this kid go the way he's gone and the fact that he's, you know, his running, a comp, you know, he got three quarters of the way to a thousand yards rushing, yeah. you know, on top of all of his passing yards. I mean, it's, it'd be interesting to find out how many quarterbacks uh, in this in the era in the modern era, you know, have uh, both have over a thousand yards passing and over a thousand yards rushing. I know that I know that's some pretty that's a pretty short list, and Jalen Hurts almost made that list this year. Yeah, Jalen Hurts has been uh, actually very special this year. Uh, the Lions did have. A- you know, they while Jalen Hurts was doing a lot of running around, I just wanted to point out uh, just a small correction there. The Lions did have a hard time stopping Miles Sanders. He had 13 mm-hmm. attempts for 96 yards and a touchdown in that game as well. Uh, Miles Sanders, by the way, had himself a hell of a year, uh, 1,269 yards, 11 touchdowns for him. He did have himself a hell of a year. Um, but Jalen Hurts, uh, at, at number four on this list, I think he's, he's right where he belongs because number three – Goes to a guy that's been also consistently showing up on our list is Josh Allen. Uh, 359 for 567 on the year, 4,283 yards. He had a 63.3 completion percentage, 35 touchdowns. He did throw 14 interceptions, but it's a pass-first offense over there. A lot more throwing than Jalen Hurts. Over 100, it was 107 more throws than Jalen yep. Hurts had. And uh, I also want to point out he had 124 rushes for 772 yards and seven touchdowns. Not as many touchdowns on the ground, more touchdowns through the air. I mean, he makes up for it. I mean, Josh Allen was a special player this year. He's been a special player for the last two years. I am proud to say I was 100% wrong about this man when he initially got drafted. Um, Man, he wound up with over 5,000 yards worth of offense. Yeah. Uh, just on his on his own. I mean that that's wild. Thirty five touchdowns uh, through the air, seven on the ground. So I mean we're talking forty two touchdowns put together. He accounted for. He had himself a great year. 
Uh, they're slowed down. He slowed down a little bit near the end of the season, but he still had himself a great year. He's still one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in football. You gotta love what Josh Allen is doing. Hell of a year for him. Uh, what what are you making him? He's a, he's a stud. I mean, what else can you say about him? You know, and you know he is still one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl. Him and Stefan yep. Diggs are basically the one-two punch there. Uh, yep. You know, they have a couple of other dynamic players on that team, but you know, Josh Allen's the one leading the charge. You know. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Like, we may very well see that AFC championship match between uh, the Bills and the and the uh, Chiefs at a neutral site. You know, the, so that'll be a lot of fun if that comes to fruition as well. Yep, that neutral site has been, uh, it's the Mercedes-Benz Stadium down there in Atlanta has been the so, I mean, Josh Allen, he, he had himself a special year. And you want to talk about a, a mobile quarterback. We were just talking about these guys being mobile. Uh, Josh Allen is is the type of mobile quarterback you want. Big body guy. I mean, and he's he is not small by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I mean, if I had my my <clears throat> choice, I, I wish he didn't seek out contact so much. But still, right. he's a special type of of uh, player, and he's a he's a, a gutsy quarterback. You gotta love what he's doing over there. He had himself a great year. Josh Allen winds up as number three on the list. Now. Going into number two and number one here, and and I talked about it earlier, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Jefferson were jousting for that number one spot. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes was down by a single point. This is how close this came down to. He wow. One point going into uh, this, this matchup because he showed up on our list the week before. Justin Jefferson did it. He was down by two. Last week, he showed up on the list. Justin Jefferson didn't. So then he gained gained a little traction. And now, Patrick Mahomes. So this last week, both of them had very mediocre, soft performances. So they didn't show up on our top 10 list this week for the top 10 performances. Neither of them did. So it became a wash. Therefore, number two goes to Patrick Mahomes. 435 for 648. 5,250 yards uh, passing, 67.1 completion percentage. He had 41 touchdowns on the year, 12 interceptions. He also had 61 rushes for 358 yards and four touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes is a special player, obviously. Had himself a huge year. Um, uh, And and one thing I want to say about Patrick Mahomes is he had so many pieces leave the team. Tyreek Hill and so on and so forth. He goes out there with Juju Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Toney and Travis Kelsey, and he goes out and puts up more yardage than he's ever put up in his entire career. If I'm not mistaken, he broke the single-season passing yardage record. I, I, I think this guy is just a really special player. I think it's great. This is his second season, over 5,000 yards. Um, a great year for Patty Mahomes. Uh, you got to love what he did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh... Receiving so absolutely, you know. Um, hang on about that. So, uh, 5,477 passing yards is the season record, and uh, Dan Dan Marino, um, you know, had that record for a while. Uh, now Peyton Manning holds the record with 5,477 passing yards in 2013. So, 5477, he's a little, he's a little short. Yeah, I, I stand corrected. He missed it by about two hundred and twenty. Oh, he, he was close. He was real close. Yeah. But I mean, still, 
absolutely phenomenal stat line, absolutely phenomenal player, and again, a Super Bowl favorite. So, you know, everybody's going to be clamoring, oh, Bills, Chiefs, AFC, title game. Um, I'm I'm one of those people, you know, but we'll have to see. You know, the, the playoffs have been something surprising, you know, uh, many, many years. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes may have to run into the Cincinnati Bengals as well. You know, yep. um, obviously Bengals are number three seed. So, you know, we could see in the divisional round, we could see, you know, <clears throat> it's one, it, we could see one, two, three, four. You know, Patrick Mahomes could go against, you know, the four seed and uh, Josh Allen goes against the, the third seed. So that'll be that'll be an interesting mix if that happens. Yeah, a lot of people are kind of clamoring for that showdown between the Bills and the Chiefs. And the only way that they're going to wind up meeting each other is in that AFC title game which, again, would be at a neutral site, which would be at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium out in Atlanta there. That's the showdown. That's yep. what everybody wants to see. And and I think Patrick Mahomes had himself a great year this year. <clears throat> Obviously, he's number two out of, as our show MVP. Some people can make a case for him being number one, and I wouldn't blame him. I mean, it was so damn close on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do ours, obviously, based on you know showing up on our top ten and, and whatever the case may be, and Patrick Mahomes showed up a lot. Justin Jefferson showed up just a little bit more and showed up maybe just a little bit higher at times. Um, and, and number one obviously goes to Justin Jefferson, uh, 128 yard or receptions, 1,809 yards, eight touchdowns on the season. Uh, he made some spectacular catches this year. He is the heart and soul of that Minnesota Vikings offense. He is a special player. He is our show MVP is Justin Jefferson. I love him. You know, I love him. He's my favorite <laughs> in the league currently. Um, and, and, you know, the, the catch against Buffalo, the big one hander, Mm -hmm. the the Kirk cousins relied on Justin Jefferson and Kirk cousins allowed Justin Jefferson to, to have a tremendous season for the last two years. He's great. He's great. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's going to continue to be great. I think he's the best receiver in football. And, uh, you know, he, he was knocking on the door, potentially, uh, breaking Calvin Johnson's record, but the last two games, you know, he really didn't do much. And, he missed it, and and it's unfortunate. But one thing I will say about Justin Jefferson and missing that record is when somebody mentioned it to him, he said, "You know, it sucks from an individual standpoint, but at the same time, I'm not here for records. I'm here for trophies." Mm-hmm. And and I don't blame him for that. I'm here for for Lombardi trophies and and Super Bowl. <laughs> That's been your mo, you know, for a long time. There was a big rant. We were like, "Where is my Lombardi trophy? Hang the frickin' banner!" <laughs> And Justin Jefferson, he's here for those Lombardi trophies. He here, he's here for that. I'm here for that. I want to see him do it. Um, and and I I really I hope that he gets a, a championship here in Minnesota, and and we can just you know I can celebrate and I can you know uh, drive up to your house and wave a Vikings flag on you know in front of your house and whatever <laughs> else and, and drive. But our show MVP goes to Justin Jefferson this year. A very tight matchup between him and Mahomes. He edges him out by about a point, which is yeah, it's insane. Yep. Uh, moving into our show, LVP, our least valuable player of the year. Uh, this is one of our favorite times because we get to crap on people a little bit, um, and it's all quarterbacks. Uh, the 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 quarterbacks kind of dominate the LVP a lot of times, and and a lot of times the when you look at the LVPs, they kind of get under a microscope. Uh, mm. these, do and for their bad play because 99 times out of 100 when there's bad play it's coming from the most important player on the field which is the quarterback so for our show lvp we have a lot of quarterbacks here uh number five goes to andy dalton uh 
252 for 378. He had 2,871 yards. He had a 66.7 completion percentage, only 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He had a horrible year, very statuesque performances. We talked about how bad Andy Dalton's been throughout the season, how I don't think he's the starting quarterback. We said it earlier in the show. I don't think he's the starting quarterback for the Saints of the future. I don't think Jameis Winston is either, but it sure as shit isn't Andy Dalton. Am I right? Nope. Um, he's pretty much at the tail end of his career. Um, I mean, his best years were in Cincinnati, yep. you know, and, it, you know, I, I don't know how many years he has left in his tank. I don't know how many years he has left on his contract with the Saints. But, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely not a good year for old Andy Dalton. No, he needs to just pack up and go home. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there. I, think I wonder if the red hair would scare scare viewers away on TV, though. Outlander! <laughs> Come on. But anyway, um, moving into number four goes to a guy I had high hopes for, and he just didn't pan out. And that's okay. He impressed me at his combine. He really did. I, I really thought he could be something special. Maybe it's just a bad system. Who knows? But he won't be back. Davis Mills, 292 for 479. He had 3,118 yards, a 61% completion percentage, 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions on the Oof. year. Uh, just a, a really rough go for old Davis Mills here. It was I, I, I blame the system. I blame the the fact that the Houston Texans as an organization is a dumpster fire. You know, um, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's sad because, you know, you get, you get a guy like this and like, oh, he might actually be something, you know, and who knows, he may actually be something good on another team. You know, if he gets traded or if he, he goes to a different system, you know, he may actually thrive. So, but you know, to hear, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, this is just, it's just bad. Yeah, it's just bad. It didn't look good. It wasn't a good look. And, and, uh, Davis Mills winds up as number four. Number three goes, and, and there's a reason that he's higher in this situation, is Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr has 305 for 502, 60.8 completion percentage. He has 3,522 yards on the year, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. <clears throat> Davis Mills goes a little higher on this list because for a couple of reasons. Number one, Davis Mills, first of all, is a third-round pick. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. So he's not making nearly as much as Derek Carr, who just got a massive contract extension this past season. And Derek Carr, with an extra added rep, Devontae Adams, to wind up only putting up 3,522 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 14 picks. Mm. I'm having a hard time uh, not putting him a little higher on this list. But the two guys that are higher than him, Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely deserve to be there. They deserve to be here. And number two goes to a guy that I can't stand. And I was kind of hoping from like a point perspective, he was going to wind up being number one because man, it would make me feel good. But number two goes to Bustin Justin Fields, mm -hmm. uh, 192 for 318, 2,242 yards on the season. He had a 60.4 completion percentage. 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. The thing that saved him from yep. this number one spot was 160 rushes for 1,143 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. That was the only thing that saved Justin Fields from being number one on this list was his rushing ability. Oddly enough, this is a quarterback that had 1,000-plus uh, passing yards and 1,000-plus rushing yards. But it, 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 it comes to your statement, uh, Scott. Uh, he's a running back, not a quarterback. No, he's just, he's a great athlete. He's a very athletic guy. 
Um, but but as far as passing the football, nope. Nope. I mean, 192, you, you, you made less than 200 catches in 18 and 17 games. Are you serious? Come on now. He can't throw the ball effectively as a quarterback. I, I stand by that. And, and, you know, like we talked about it earlier on the season that, you know, there is situations where, you know, players and quarterbacks like this that are primarily running quarterbacks, they can improve in the offseason. We saw it with Lamar Jackson. We were worried about his accuracy and his ability to throw the ball, ball effectively and efficiently. Um, and, and guys can change that. Guys can fix that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at right now, Justin Fields is not the guy. Uh, he is not that guy. And, and, you know, for his sake, I hope he, he changes it. But for, for really because he's a Chicago Bear, I hope he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Bears right now currently are sitting at number one overall for the, in the NFL draft. If they trade out of it, Justin Fields basically can guarantee he has a job. If they don't trade out of it, I think the Bears are going to wind up going quarterback, and I don't think they have a choice. They're going to have to go best player available. It, yeah. it's, <clears throat> it's become a weird situation over there in Chicago. I don't think Justin Fields is the guy, but we'll see if things get better for him. But number one, <laughs> number one goes to uh, a guy who signed a very lucrative deal this offseason. A long-term lucrative deal. Very long-term, um, and he has not been good. It goes to Russell Wilson. Yep. 292 for 483, 60.5 completion percentage, Oof. 524 yards, 16 touchdowns, 11 picks. For all of the money that that yep. man got paid, for him to only <clears throat> of 16 touchdowns and 11 interceptions is a farce. It's if, an abs- it's 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 not funny anymore. No. You know, we we've we've bagged on this guy all year long for, you know, let Russ cook, let Russ cook and you know, cuz he was supposed to take a sledgehammer to his former team at the at the Seattle Seahawks. You know, they set up the story and the Seahawks beat him. And then, then it then it just devolved and spiraled into this ugly, hideous uh, farce. Yeah. It, it, there's no other way to describe it. The fact that you're getting paid millions of dollars over the next five years, and this is year one. Yep. 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 You, the Denver Broncos basically sold the farm for 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 a legend for a quote unquote legendary quarterback, and they got nothing. Yep. They got nothing. Nathaniel Hackett was shown the door before the season was even over. So they got to go look for a new head coach. You know, it, it it's an absolute dumpster fire. It absolutely is. Yeah, they sold the farm for magic beans there, and, and uh, that's what they got. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Russ Wilson has been an absolute mess, and uh, he is our LVP, your least valuable player for the season. And as our, our – Good friend Brandon Gunder likes to say, "You hate to see it." <laughs> you really do. You hate to see it. Um, but now moving into our rookie rankings, we have our uh, rookie of the year. I'll I'll plot it out here. Uh, let's let's start out with number ten. We'll we'll jump right into it. Kayvon Thibodeau winds up as number ten on the list. Um, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau had a really slow start to the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finishes out with a 71.9 PFF grade, a 70.1 rush defense grade, a 67.9 pass rush. His pass rush wasn't really great to start the year, 
Um, he came on later in the season, though, as a huge pass rushing threat. He finishes the season strong. He had a great performance versus the Colts. Um, he was, I was, you know, he he was surpassed by by uh, uh, Christian Watson, and and that's kind of a spoiler as our number nine guy because of the things that that Thibodeau accomplished were almost too little too late, but he turned into one of the better defensive ends in the league. He could be in line for a huge year in, in year two. I really think he could be. And, and it seems like the game is sort of slowing down for him and he's kind of moving in a direction where he's going to make himself a bigger star in year two. What say you? I absolutely agree. You know, it's not bad for a kid that in Oregon, he was an absolute monster and people were clamoring about the fact that he was going to go number one overall. He was going to go. And then that honor went to uh, Trayvon Walker from Georgia. But to see the, to see Kayvon Thibodeau drop as far as he has in the draft and, and to come out number 10 on this list, it's it's promising. You know, and the, and the New York football giants definitely have, you know, they've had a nice turn, nice turnaround. You know, we've been seeing that all year. Oh, sometimes these rebuilds might take years. Well, hold on a second. You know, this rebuild basically took half a season yep, and all yep. of a sudden they're in the playoffs. They've got a decent roster. You know, you need a couple more pieces, but, you know, they'll definitely be a dangerous team. And Kayvon Thibodeau is, is uh, one part of that. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is a special player. Um, I thought he was special when he was with Oregon. And, and now to see what he's doing right now, um, yeah, it, it's he's coming on and he, he's starting to understand the, the pro-level game, which sometimes, you know, there is a learning curve there. And, and he's figured it out. He did have a couple of injuries early on in the season before he was able to come in. I like Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I thought he was going to be something really special um, getting drafted. He co- I think he went six overall in this draft. Um, so kudos to the Gi- the Giants for snatching him up when they had the opportunity. Um, and uh, he t- he's turned himself into a, a good defensive end. He winds up as 10 on this list. I already said it. I'll say it again. Number nine, though, goes to Christian Watson. Uh, 77.1 PFF grade. 77.8 receiving grade. He finished the season with a monster season finale versus the Detroit Lions. He had five receptions on six targets for 104 yards. Uh, put up an 88.2 offensive grade and a 90 receiving grade in that game uh, to make his way onto the list. He came on late into the season. Uh, you know, he became what was technically the wide receiver two for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he finishes out with 41 receptions for 611 yards. You know, he wasn't really utilized much for the first time for the first nine weeks of this season. And, and I think if he was, we'd be talking about a thousand yard receiver this year. Um, really a, a good talent. I think Rogers got a little um, discouraged with him after game one, when he threw up a deep ball and it, and it hit Watson in the hands and he dropped it. And it seemed like Rogers was kind of avoiding throwing the ball his way. But then as soon as they developed a rhythm, Watson became a special player. And, and I, do think that he could be a thousand yard receiver uh, next year if Rodgers does stick around. But if Jordan Love sticks around, I really if if we if Jordan Love sticks around and we see Jordan Love be the guy that we saw when he came in in, re, in relief of Aaron Rodgers and on Sunday Night Football, we could be talking about a, a thousand yard receiver and a special player in Christian Watson, right? Absolutely. You know, so it's it's refreshing to see again, that first deep ball, he drops it. We were all laughing at him and he, and he took it throughout the entire season. He was able to salvage that moment and, you know, end up on the top 10 of our rookie of our rookie rankings. And you're right. Whether it's Aaron Rodgers or whether it's Jordan Love, you know, 
whoever comes out on quarterback, if it's one of those two, Christian Watson could possibly be a thousand yard receiver. I think he's got the capability. He's a deep ball guy. I uh, got a lot of red zone looks this year. So Christian Watson winds up as number nine. Number eight goes to Michael Clements. Uh, 78.7 PFF grade, 86.4 run defense. He had an 81.5 tackling grade. He finishes the season strong with a good performance against the Dolphins. He graded out as more of a run defender than a pass rusher. He could definitely use a little more work with the pass rush, but he'll wind up being with a special player for the Jets in the raw, a long run. He was a, a, you know, the Jets had themselves a really great draft this year, and he's a huge part of that, that draft. He's been a special player. Absolutely. You know, um, he's, he's been consistent on the top 10, you know, and it's, it's, it's refreshing to see, you know, he's playing for Cleveland, right? No, for the Jets. For the Jets, my bad. Uh, cause I, I got, I got him and somebody else mixed up, but, uh, apparently, you know, he's, but he's been pretty steady, you know, and it, it, it goes back to the rebuild of the Jets. You know, they have, they have, uh, you know, dynamic defensive players. We'll just certainly get into it in a minute, but, um, you know, but it, it, it's, it's refreshing to see. Yeah, I think the Jets wind up with a, a special player there on the, as defensive end, and and uh, he, you know, originally was ahead of our next guy, but our next guy has surpassed him. Number seven goes to a guy you know quite well, defensive mm-hmm. end for Detroit, Aiden Hutchinson. He has an he finishes the year with an eighty point seven PFF grade, sixty eight point four run defense, <clears throat> a seventy point two pass rush grade, and weirdly enough for a defensive end, an eighty four point seven coverage grade. Um, he came on late in the season with some really special performances. His PFF grade is a little skewed because of his coverage grade. So, you know, bear that in mind. This guy doesn't dip into coverage very often. He's a defensive right. for Christ's sake. Um, but his, his pass rush really came on at the end of the season. He started to be super disruptive down the stretch. Um, it, he finishes the season with 53 tackles, 11 sacks on the year. So getting double digit sacks, that's a huge thing. Aiden Hutchinson fits the mold of exactly the type of player the Detroit Lions want. I think he's right in there with that Dan Campbell system. I know you love this guy, don't you? Absolutely. I loved him when he was in Michigan and when he ran all over C.J. Stroud and the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, I loved him when he basically train wrecked Iowa in the uh, Big Ten championship game. You know, um, you know, we kind of wish he kind of showed up against Georgia, but I mean, that's that's you know, old hat in the past. But he's definitely showed up here in the NFL. You know, he has definitely shown, you know, <laughs> it's happy that, you know, a Michigan guy went to Detroit, you know, and want, and he wants to play for this team. That's the thing. Uh, the thing is, uh, you know, a lot of these, we've, we've made jokes on this show before. And the idea is that, hey, you know, if good luck going to Detroit, you know, nobody really wants to play there. But right. uh, but here's the deal, though. This kid wants to play in Detroit. This kid wants to be a part of the culture in Detroit. And, you know, Dan Campbell's a huge reason for that. And he's also, you know, it's also a reason why he's so, you know, he's so dynamic. And, you know, if the Lions can beef up their defense a little bit in this and get their quarterback of the future, like we've talked about, you know, we're looking at a team that's going to probably secure its future for the next decade and a half. Are we not? Oh, yeah. Think about the Detroit Lions, and you'll have to excuse me as my my wife brings in my my sausage McMuffins here. Woohoo! Um, the thing about the Detroit Lions, they need to have a better secondary. They need to improve their secondary, and they need a few more linebackers. I think a lot of people, especially the fans, are are a little too enamored with a guy like James Houston right now. He almost costed you the game against Green Bay uh, mm-hmm. this past week. 
But um, I, I really do think that that uh, Hutch is a special player. He's the kind of guy that's gonna gonna take off and and uh, really uh, be a, a mainstay here with, for the Detroit Lions. I, I really believe that he's a special kind of guy. Um, a lot of heart and soul there. A lot yeah. of heart and soul. I, I don't think there was ever a situation where where we thought that uh, um, Aiden Hutchinson didn't have the heart and soul to be on a, a Detroit Lions team. I think that Dan Campbell is all heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I think he just fits the culture. He's a leader. Uh, and and I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if eventually this guy takes your, your guys' team to a championship or, or is a huge part of that. I think everybody in this town loves him. Um, and it's no no secret that we're we're living right outside the Detroit area here, but people in Detroit love Aiden Hutchinson. They love the shit out of that guy. So mm-hmm. to him uh, doing as well as he is, is really special. He winds up as number seven on our rookie rankings, which is actually pretty damn high for a guy that started the season a little iffy. So he winds up at number seven. Number six goes out to Drake London, uh, and, and he slides a little bit, uh, he finishes out the year, still finishes out strong. He actually had a decent game to finish the year. He finishes with an 83.2 PFF grade, 85.3 receiving grade. He struggled at certain points of the season to really get out and get some production. I mean, he struggled. Mm-hmm. Uh, he turned it on at the end of the year, three out of uh, five extremely strong performances to finish the year. He finishes with 72 receptions, 866 yards, four touchdowns. The PFF grades don't tell the entire story about his season. There were many struggles in the red zone. There were struggles uh, being consistently efficient all year. He definitely proved that he is not quarterback proof. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Right. Better rapport with Ritter than he did with Mariota. But, you know, it is what it is. Drake London's a special player. He winds up as number six on the list. What do you make of Drake London? Well, I think part of the reason why you can have you attribute you could partially attribute those struggles to Arthur Smith. You know, oh. Arthur yeah, Arthur Smith didn't give him enough opportunities to really, you know, be a dynamic player. You know, he he had his other uh he had his eye on his other guy. And Tyler Algier for some reason is the leading rusher there instead of Cordell Patterson. So sure. so that's so you know, those two things together kind of attribute to Drake London's uh, lack of success in Atlanta. But uh, when Desmond Ritter came into the picture, as you said, the rapport increased a little bit. And even Arthur Smith saw something in that. So, yeah, partially it's it's quarterback play. Partially it's bad coaching. You know, so if he has a better coach and a better system, you know, watch out. that We could be looking at, you know, I don't know if he broke 1,000 yards this year. but uh, Only 866 yards on the season. But you're going to see a thousand yard uh, receiver out of uh, Drake London if he gets the proper, uh, if it gets the proper guidance, the proper quarterback, and the proper play. With the right quarterback, I really do think that he'll be a special player in the NFL, don't you? Absolutely. You know, I think he has the potential to be, you know, a, a big star in this league, and uh, he also, you know. Yeah, and it's, again, it, this is just his rookie year, so you know there's more there's more to see, and, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited too. I want to see if he becomes more of a red zone threat down the stretch. Yep, we'll we'll see what he he turns into. Number five goes to a guy that we had just got done talking about a little while ago, Chris Olave. Yeah, Olave out of out of Ohio State. He he's the wide receiver. Went to New Orleans. An 82.5 PFF grade, 82.9 receiving grade. He finishes the season with a little lower of an overall grade due to the lost fumble versus Carolina. Mm. But he finishes with over 1,000 yards, 1,044 yards on the year. 
Uh, four touchdowns in spite of bad quarterback play from Andy Dalton for most of the season. Olave finishes strong. You got to love what he's doing. Um, he he he's the number one over there. I don't think Michael. I think the 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 years of Michael Thomas are done. I think I think that's over and done with. That age is done. I think Chris Olave is the guy for the New Orleans Saints. Don't you? I absolutely agree. You know, and the ironic thing is, you know, a bit of a spoiler. All throughout this entire season, what did we say about the top 10 rookie rankings? Uh, that uh, Garrett Wilson was consistently ranked below Chris Olave. Yep. So how ironic is it that Chris Olave was, is mentioned first and his counterpart, Garrett Wilson, has not yet been mentioned? So that that indicates that Garrett Wilson ob- ultimately outperformed or outgained Chris Olave. And again, whose fault could it possibly be? I mean, Andy Dalton is definitely a finger to point at, you know, uh, in the co- you know, you know, bad quarterback play, and the fact that that team's kind of a dumpster fire, and they were in the toilet bowl division. You know, yeah. there, there are definitely things working against Chris Olave, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, if the Saints go in and get their quarterback of the future, and they get and they get a guy that ha- that can give. You know, have good rapport with uh, Chris Olave. This this guy will also be yet another thousand yard receiver. Yeah, and and he'll be a consistent thousand yarder. I mean, he did break a thousand this year, one thousand forty four yards. So I mean, a special year for Olave. Number four goes to a guy that you kind of gave a hard time, Alex, and 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 you, and you did too. Well, I sort of did. We you said you wanted to take him down and further knock him off the list, and okay. he came on the last couple of weeks. Uh, it was, we, you gave him about two, three weeks where you're like giving him shit. And then right after that two, three weeks, he popped up that list quite a bit. Kenny Walker, yep. uh, uh, you know, the running back out of Michigan state, he goes to Seattle. He has a 76.7 PFF grade and 83.5 rushing grade, a 91 fumbling grade, which means he has great ball control where he struggles is his run blocking. It seems he, he is the biggest factor of his PFF grade being as low as it is, is in his inability to effectively run block. I mean, however, his rushing grades kind of tell the story for him. He had great ball security. He finishes the season having a rough time against a very effective Rams rush defense. We talked about it earlier, but ultimately he's still at 113 yards on, on 29 carries. Even if it was a 3.9 average, he finishes the season with over 1,000 yards, 1,000-yard rusher on the year, 1,050 yards, nine touchdowns on the ground. He also had 27 receptions for 165 yards. He didn't truly get into that running back one mix until week six. Let's remember, that was that was uh, Rashad Penny we were talking about being running back one over there. This is Penny's team at this point. Now, if he had the five extra weeks, and I think we're talking about him near the top of this list, if not at number one, we're talking about a 1,500-yard rusher here. He was very effective behind this, the uh, a bad Seahawks offensive line. Uh, he's been a special player for these guys. He was special at Michigan State. I said he was going to be the best runner out of this rookie class. Um, you know, this is – I'm going to come out and say right now, I'm two for two on the guys who I think are going to be the best running backs out of the rookie classes. I called Jonathan Taylor, and I'm calling Kenneth Walker. I, I took both of them, and I'm, as, I'm two for two on the running back deal there. Now, granted, I, I shit the bed when it comes to quarterbacks. Obviously, I mean, I loved Josh Rosen, Rosen coming out of college. But, uh, we <laughs> but Kenny Walker, I'm two for two on the running backs, right? Absolutely. 
You know, uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, yeah, it, Kenneth Walker definitely has improved. And I think the Rashad Penny injury really gave him an opportunity to take that number one spot and run with it. And I mean, he ran with it. Oh, yeah. you know, not, not, and pun not intended either. I mean, he really stepped up his game. So they're going to look at Rashad Penny and going, okay, pal, you're a number, you're, you're a number two running back now. I mean, you know, Kenneth Walker stole your job. Yeah, he, he did. I think Kenny Walker's a special player, and, and I, I like having him uh, on that Seattle team. I, I, I think the Seahawks love having him, and I, I think that, that um, if they improve their offensive line play, we could see a little bit more out of, out of Kenneth Walker, and I want to see what he does with a complete 16-game season as long as he stays healthy. We could be talking about a big-time running back for that Seattle Seahawks team. Pete Carroll loves to run the football. We know that. So uh, Kenneth Walker winds up as number four. Number three comes to a guy that you were uh, you were just talking about. Garrett Wilson finishes out 82.7 PFF grade, 85.9 receiving grade. He finishes the year with the best receiving grade out of the bunch. Uh, in spite of a, a revolving door of quarterbacks, he finishes the season with a whopping 1,103 yards, over 1,100 yards receiving Four touchdowns that includes nine receptions for 89 yards in his final game of the year versus the Miami Dolphins. Garrett Wilson's a great receiver. I love these Ohio State receivers. Ohio State right now has been a receiver-producing powerhouse when it comes to making great wide receivers. Ryan Day, I don't know what he's doing over there, but, man, he knows how to make them. Absolutely. You know, and we're seeing it in Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, oh, he's yeah. the next. he's going to be the next one to come in. You know, whichever team is lucky enough to draft him, you know, when that happens. We have Jackson Smith and Jigba getting ready to come out, too. Yep. Jackson Smith and Jigba was a, a, a dynamic receiver, too. Yep. So, you know, as much as much as I hate Ohio State as a Michigan fan, you know, it's it's refreshing to see the talent that's coming out of there and, and it's paying dividends, you know, here in our rookie rankings, here for their teams and you know, it's it's only it's only going to get uh, better from from here, especially when the Jets are in the middle of their rebuild, and they really have some solid footing going on. Absolutely, um, and and again, this adds to that great draft class that the New York Jets had this last season. I mean, they they probably had the best draft out of anybody. Um, even even after picking up, well, Zach Wilson was last year. Yeah, it was last year, but this year's draft was just incredible for them. Number two. We'll find out why here in a second. Oh, yeah. Number two goes to Kyle Hamilton out of Baltimore. I know Tyler's soaking his jockeys about this guy. 82.3 PFF grade, 84.8 run defense grade, 87.5 pass rush, and a 76.8 coverage grade. He started out strong. At one point, he was the number one safety in all of football. Uh, he struggled after returning from his injury in week 13, but he finishes strong with a, a impeccable grades versus Cincinnati in week 18. He finishes as the number eight safety in all of football this year as a rookie. That's a special yeah. spot to be in, being the number eight safety in all of football. Good Lord. Kyle Hamilton, we we heard about him possibly <clears throat> a number a top three pick. He slides to Baltimore. Baltimore gets a steal on this kid. Yeah. Because and because of the, and of course we have to be remiss. I would be remiss if I did not mention the fact that the Minnesota Vikings thought it was a terrific idea to trade with the Detroit Lions for the last pick of the first round, and and the Lions got Jamison Williams with that pick, and then Baltimore was next. And we're getting Kyle Hamilton. Yep, it was it was just like oh we could have had Kyle Hamilton. No no no, we're gonna take Lewis Seen. 
Lucasine. Like, <laughs> yeah, how'd that how'd that work out for you? Yeah, right. Exactly. Lucasine a joke so far. But number one. Yep. Our rookie of the year. A guy that we have been so genuinely happy for. A guy that we like so very much. He's got a great attitude. It's there's an ego there, but it's a fun ego. It's not a bad attitude ego. It's a, no. it's a hey, I'm the freaking man and I love it. It's it's so like pro wrestling. I just <laughs> love it. And I maybe that's why we're so attracted to it. Our rookie of the year for this show and it should come as no surprise to anybody, the man who is ranked as the best quarterback in the NFL for the 2022-23 season according to Pro Football Focus. The number one cornerback in all of football. The number one corner. Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Sauce Boss. Yep, yep. 88.5 PFF grade, 69.2 run defense, 62.1 pass rush grade, but get this, a whopping 90.1 coverage grade. He is the best corner in football. He is ranked out as the best corner in football. Um, He had a rough game this last week. He, He gave up Three catches on four targets for 42 yards, including a long of 26 yards. Rough game against a very tough Dolphins team. In spite of the fact that that Skylar Thompson is the quarterback, let's not forget there's Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill out there. Still, he has played extraordinarily well. I can't get over how good Sauce Gardner has been this year. He's the best corner in the entire NFL, bar none. Um, he's the main. I mean, Alex, you you love the shit out of this guy. And I think this proves, beyond a shadow of a doubt, three players in the top rookie rankings, our top 10 rookie rankings for the New York Jets, this proves, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the Jets had the best draft out of anybody, out of any team in the NFL. Am I right? Yep. This this is the nail in the coffin for that argument. You know, you're not going to get any argument from me. You know, the, the, the Jets had the best draft, you know, in the league, and uh, having three players in the top 10 here is something especially when the and, and and especially when you have the number 1 rookie and the best corner in all of football the second coming of Revis Island mm-hmm. you know and i think i think even even i'll go as, i'll go a little bit further and say that uh you know he's going to be more effective and more uh shut down than Revis Island i think we're going to have a new moniker on our hands here oh yeah yeah no doubt i th- i think it the, the sauce boss is going to be uh Man, he's going to be a, a long-time special player for them. I'm fired up for the New York Jets, but those are our rookie rankings. Ahmad Sauce Gardner is our show rookie of the year. Um, mm. And uh, we're going to jump into the news because, uh, speaking of the Jets, uh, let's start out with them. We, while we're on that topic, the Jets making some, are, are making some moves. First of all, they, they are parting ways with their offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, after two seasons. You know, this kind of, it's Matt LaFleur's brother, the head coach of Green Bay Packers brother. Um, it kind of makes sense, but at the same time, I feel like, like it, they're, they're saying mutually parted ways. It kind of sounds like, and eh, we're letting you go anyway. But at the end of the day, they didn't get that man, the proper personnel to be successful over there on that offense. Um, yeah, I mean, outside of Garrett Wilson, they, they did get the Brees Hall, but I mean, <coughs> Wilson, obviously not the answer. Uh, Here's the deal too. If Brees Hall doesn't get hurt, do you think he shows up on this top 10 list? You know, he could. 
He could have. It, it really depends. I mean, Brees Hall was having himself a great couple of weeks, and then he, he tore his ACL and was like, well, that's that. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was, it, it's kind of like like um, the the movie Grown Ups 2, where, where Adam Sandler falls on his kid, and, he's, and the coach is like, well, he's done with. And then they just turn back around and go about their business. Um, yeah, that's kind of what it became. I mean, it was just like, well, that's that. And, and mm -hmm. see what happens with Brees Hall in the future. Um, he was proving me wrong from the rip and then the torn ACL happened and that was that. But yeah, the, um, the jets parting ways with their, their OC, uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully LaFleur will wind up elsewhere. I think he's going to wind up finding a job elsewhere with the team that's going to give him the proper personnel. Um, but also the Jets defensive tackle, Quinnen Williams, he wants a contract extension before voluntary workouts this offseason. He wants it done and he wants it now. Um, looking mm -hmm. for that contract. This Jets defense is actually a really good defense. They've been yep. quietly good all season long. They wound up at one point being the number six defense in the league, which is huge. I think they they finished out as a top 10. They're a good defense. And a lot of that has to do with guys like Quinnen Williams. A lot of that has to do with Sauce Gardner. A lot mm -hmm. of that do with Michael Clemens. I mean, th these are good players. And uh the Jets, they they wind up with they wound up when they wound up with Quinn and Williams. I mean, if you I don't know if you recall Quinn and Williams, he's the guy that sneezed and blessed himself in an interview. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well hey, I mean, you know, he's he's definitely shown up as a defensive player. So do you do you think do you think the contract extension is warranted? Uh oh yeah, absolutely. I think Quinn and Williams is a special player uh, he deserves every bit of a contract extension. He He's a fantastic player. So, I mean, the Jets, they kind of got their hands full. They're going to have to get him re-signed, but they're also going to have to find their quarterback of the future. And if they do find that quarterback of the future in this draft, I think they're going to be A-OK. -okay. Um, and then speaking of, of the Jets, the team they lost to this past week, the Miami Dolphins, they are about to have some trouble in paradise. Uh, mm -hmm. Back to a tongue of Aloha has not been cleared from concussion protocol. The Dolphins are set to start the backup quarterback, Skylar Thompson, at quarterback versus the Buffalo Bills. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. I, th I think, I think the, you know, we're, we're the grill, the grills, if the grill was on fire before and it's all fired up, you know, we've got, we've got the fillets made. All we got to do is just throw them on the grill at this point. That, that's all it is. They're cooked. Uh, they're they're about to be eaten dolphin. I mean, I understand it's an endangered species, but for Christ's sake, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Yeah, uh, Skylar Thompson getting started. You, you think you think the guy? They think the the dumbass doctors over there are kicking themselves for allowing him to come back again in that Cincinnati Bengals game. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, it's and it's we, biting him in the ass hard. I don't. I don't know that we'll ever see. It. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm. I'm starting to have concerns that we're going to see. Uh, uh, we're ever going to see Tua Tungabeloa back on a field. And, yeah, and that's, starting, that's that's scary. Yeah, I'm starting to have concerns about it. The, the, obviously, he's had a series of concussions. That's problematic. Um, it's it's not looking good as it stands right now, at least in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that they're uh, they're going to have trouble in paradise. Speaking of. Uh, Dolphin stuff going on. Several teams right now are requesting interview with the Steelers senior defensive assistant and former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores for their head coach and defensive coordinator positions, including the Cardinals, Broncos, and Texans. Um, Ironic that is because I, I think Brian Flores uh, had a lot of 
uh, controversy behind him saying he, you know, he called the league out for basically, oh, we're just going to interview a black coach just because, you know, it'll uh, it'll uh, fill our diversity quota for the year. Yeah, I think a lot of people realize that Brian Flores is actually a really good head coach, and I thought he was a good head coach in, in Miami. I think Tyler and I were both kind of flabbergasted when the Dolphins let him go, but uh, we, we understood what that the Dolphins were kind of, uh, you know, an idiotic or- organization for doing so. The Texans wind up uh, interviewing him. The Cardinals wind up interviewing him. Also, the Cardinals, Texans, and Broncos did uh, receive permission to interview Sean Payton for their head coaching positions. The Broncos have emerged as a front runner there. So they are kind of making their rounds. I mean, we do know the Cardinals fired head coach Cliff Kingsbury earlier this week. They got rid of GM Steve Kine this past week. Uh, he, He stepped down. So, I mean, there's there's a lot going on for these teams. Uh, the, the Cardinals get rid of Cliff Kingsbury. They're interviewing Sean Payton. They're interviewing uh, Brian Flores. So there's going to be a lot of movement going on. But um, the Dolphins, man, they, they lost a good one in Flores. And I, I get that they got McDaniel, who, who I think is a very good head coach, and I think he's going to be a special head coach in this league as long as they get him an actual quarterback that can get on the field. Yeah, get on the field and also, you know, not – you know, get knocked around, get six concussions, and then get trotted back out because, well, we need the money. Or, exactly. or, what, or for whatever bonehead reason that happened. Right. It, it's just an absolute mess. So uh, that's that's kind of what we're looking at. But uh, the head coaching carousel is in full swing right now. Um, the former Colts head coach, Frank Reich, he's set to interview for the Panthers' vacant head coaching job. You remember the Panthers did fire Matt Rule earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And Frank Reich is now... Uh, interviewing for that Panthers head coaching job. So we'll see if he gets that. Um, And Saints head coach Dennis Allen says he expects to return as the Saints head coach this next season after a terrible year with the Saints. They finished out seven and 10. So I guess it wasn't too bad, but uh, still, (laughs) yeah, it's still, I mean, they, they just got that seventh win in the last week of the year. Let's be real. Yep. It, It wasn't good. Um, Falcons defensive coordinator Dean Pease also retired after 18 seasons with the uh, NFL as a, as a defensive coordinator. So he's uh, um, been around a long time and also a coach we all know. Well, first of all, Titans fired their offensive coordinator, Todd Downing. I thought this one was kind of a shitty firing, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest with you. You got rid of A.J. Brown. <laughs> you bring in Traylon Burks. And then you get mad at the offensive coordinator for not being able to be successful in that situation. Shut the front door. <laughs> a whole lot of sense. Really no. doesn't. Um, and also the Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick, is beginning to consider retirement. He's going to, quote unquote, evaluate everything this offseason. But he expects to return as the Patriots head coach in 2023. I mean, do you think 23 is going to wind up being the last year for old Billy Belly? Could be. I mean, it's going to be interesting uh, to see. I mean, especially if the Patriots... Uh, don't get a good long run in. I mean, it'll be sad, you know. You know, Bill Belichick again is one of the greatest of all time as far as head coaches is concerned. You know, he definitely was a major driver in the Brady era and the Patriots getting those seven rings. You know, uh, well, actually six rings. There were six rings because Tom Brady's seventh ring was with the Buccaneers. Yep. Yeah, it's so it's so funny that like a quarterback, you know, has more rings than an entire NFL organization, <laughs> but. Um, but Bill Belichick was definitely a major driving factor in those six ring in those six Super Bowl wins. So, you know, definitely a legend in his own right. 
Oh, for sure. And and the Patriots, they they've got you know a lot on their plate as well. Um, they've set up uh, interviews for the offensive coordinator position starting this week. So they're looking for a new offensive coordinator. And they've also begun extension talks with their linebacker coach, Jared Mayo, who actually um, he's been incredible for them as a linebacker coach. I think that they, uh, they, they've they had one of the best linebacking groups in, in all of football this year. Uh, a really special group and a really special coach. Um, also, speaking of head coaches, Sean McVay has decided to return to the Rams for the 23-24 season. Uh, you know, he was talking about retirement after last season. Um, mm. we, we were hearing all about that. And then, then he gets, then he gets punched in the mouth and, yeah. and comes back down to earth. Yeah. He got, he got brought back down to earth and now he, I think he feels like he has some quote unquote unfinished business. And, uh, that's where we're at here. I mean, well, you, well, you definitely need to get a better offensive coordinator. You need to get Tommy John surgery for your star quarterback mm-hmm. and, uh, you, Baker Mayfield, you know, needs to, you know, uh, be able to show up and show out, as it were. I mean, Baker Mayfield's not a terrible player, but, you know, we saw him fizzle out in Cleveland. We saw him fail in uh, Carolina, especially with the headbutts, you know, the helmetless headbutts to his teammates in Carolina. So I'm like, what the heck are you doing there? And then, and then, and then to finish out the season in Los Angeles, you know, um, it's a good thing that uh, Sean McVay's staying. I don't, I, you know, I don't mind him as a head coach. Um, I think he has a good mind, you know, um, he's definitely young, a younger head coach. Uh, but again, you know, maybe with youth also comes mistakes, but does he have the ability to learn from those mistakes? I think he does. I think he does. I, you know, it's going to be a question of whether or not he can bounce back. <clears throat> Baker Mayfield is set to hit free agency after the 22, 23 season. So after this, mm. he will be a free agent. Um, and, and we did see him fizzle out with the Browns. We, we see he's getting ready to hit free agency. Maybe the Rams will bring him back. Who knows? But, um, yeah, the, the Rams, they're, they're about to watch Baker Mayfield waltz out the door, but well, maybe trip out the door. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the Browns though, the Browns did fire their defensive coordinator, Joe Woods after three years. I'm a little surprised by this cause it's his first down year as, mm-hmm. as a, uh, a defensive coordinator. They had, a a rough go defensively this year, but I do think the Browns, generally speaking, usually have a really good defense. Uh, it's it's a little surprising. Obviously, Jadavion Clowney won't be there next year. I, I just this is this one kind of took me by surprise a little bit, to be honest with you. One down year, and suddenly he's out. Yeah. I got questions about that. Um, but the the coaching carousel is in full swing elsewhere around that division, though. The Ravens. Oh, They've boy. got some trouble in paradise. You got Lamar Jackson. He- <laughs> trouble in purgatory, more like. Yeah, yeah. Lamar Jackson's been ruled out for wild card weekend versus the Bengals. Um, that's this- that's oof number one. That's oof number one. Uh, oof number two, Tyler Huntley is a game time decision versus the Bengals with his shoulder injury. Obviously, we saw him not start last week. And then... I I feel like the Lamar thing and this next one go hand in hand. The Ravens signed linebacker Roquan Smith to a five-year, $100 million extension makes him the highest-paid linebacker in all of football. Now, look, Lamar has been negotiating a contract. The Ravens have been lowballing him. This one specifically, this situation, I don't care what anybody has to say, this falls on the Ravens organization yep. for lowballing Lamar Jackson. I feel like Lamar right now, whether or not anybody wants to admit it, 
whether anybody wants to think about it or, or consider conspiracy theories or anything like that, whatever. If you think this is a conspiracy theory and I'm just the tinfoil hat guy, hey, cool, good on you. But to me, I see a guy like Lamar Jackson holding out at playoff time for a supposed PCL injury in the midst of Roquan Smith getting the biggest contract, the most lucrative contract in the history of the football for a linebacker. I think Lamar Jackson is holding out specifically because of a contract dispute with the, the, the Ravens. And I think he's trying to teach them a lesson saying either you are going to sign me to what I want or I will not be here. What say you, Alex? Well, I mean, all evident, all roads seem to be pointing to that. I mean, it makes sense, yep. you know, um, especially when, you know, your, your playoff hopes are basically hinging on the fact that Lamar Jackson comes back some play and, and comes back and plays. Yep. Well, here's the deal. He's not, he's not going to be playing and you know, you don't even have like, you're not a starter Tyler, Tyler Huntley, you know, mm-hmm. questionable to even start the game with his shoulder. So if you get the third guy in, I mean, you know, it's just going to be a repeat of the stomping that they got at the end of the season yep. because they're chasing the exact same team they did last week. And, you know, old Joe Burrow is just going to be sick and tired of walking into walking into Cincinnati and having these Ravens walk in. And, you know, it's like, OK, you know, at least could you at least take your shoes off and, you know, don't dirty the carpet, please, because, you know, we're going to we're just going to take it a pound town anyway. Yeah, this is a this is a. um a warm-up game for the Bengals, if anything. I mean, it's yeah. basically a wash. They're going to wind up going to the next round, I think. But, I mean, it's the, – the Ravens – this falls on the Baltimore Ravens organization, the failure to get Lamar a contract, the failure to offer him a proper contract. And, look, I get it. Tyler was on the show, like, a little while back, you know, talking about how, oh, no, the Ravens aren't lowballing him, and they're offering him proper stuff, and da-da-da-da. No, 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 no. They were lowballing him. It's time to, to stop being a homer. It's time to stop just standing up for the organization because the organization's always right. No, no, no. My my Ravens wouldn't do that. No, no, no. No, fuck that. They didn't offer him the proper contract. They didn't offer him a fair contract. It falls on the Baltimore Ravens. Whether or not anybody wants to just sit there a minute, whether any of these Ravens homers like Tyler and all of his buddies want to admit that, the Ravens did not offer a proper contract to Lamar Jackson at the beginning of the season, and they continued to give the man low ball offers and now he's pissed. And now he's not going to be here because he's pissed. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. So, you know, the Ravens, this falls on the Ravens organization. They, the, people just need to admit that and understand that and realize that, that this falls on the Ravens. So, I mean, uh, I, Lamar Jackson sitting out this week. I think the Ravens season is all but over at this point. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to stomp the Ravens into oblivion. And mm-hmm. and we're gonna be we're gonna be having a, a a conversation next week about what the next steps are for the Ravens and getting their quarterback of the future because I don't think Lamar wants to be there anymore. Right. I mean, if if the Ravens do defeat the Cincinnati Bengals, I will be very 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 surprised. But it's like a it's like if if I'm a betting man, I'm betting safe. I'm betting the Bengals. So uh, you know. <laughs> So yeah, you're right. We're going to have that discussion about what are, what are they going to do next, and uh, you know we'll definitely have a lot of finger wagging going on there. Absolutely. And then uh, speaking of guys who just don't want to be where they are, yep. Texans wide receiver Brandon Cooks reportedly wants out of Houston. He's saying, "I'm not looking to be a part of a rebuild in 2023. I don't blame <laughs> him." Brandon Cooks, um, is a damn good receiver that people have been sleeping on. He's quietly been one of the best receivers in football. Um, I like Brandon Cooks a lot. The fact that that he could go 
anywhere else and be something special anywhere else, I think says something about about um, him and his ability and his talents. He was good with the Rams. He's great with the Rams. And uh, I would like to see Brandon Cooks go elsewhere and be be appreciated, I guess you could say. I mean, he deserves yep. it. I mean, on top of the fact, I mean, there's a, there's another news story we're going to j- jump in here to here in a second that kind of compounds why Brandon Cooks probably doesn't want to stick around. Uh, I don't know if we want to get to it real quick, but I mean, it, it, you're right. You know, having Brandon Cooks, you know, go to a different organization and to get and to be more successful, just be one more nail in the coffin of this racist organization. Yep. Yeah. As absolutely. you have stated. And we talked about earlier about the Lovey Smith situation. You know, it, which uh, you know, obviously. I had my news, but we kind of jumped into it earlier. The Lovey Smith situation. Lovey Smith knew he was getting fired. I do think the Texans are, in my opinion, are a racist organization. I I I've felt felt that way for a while. Um, it, it's been mentioned over the last two years that both Tyler and myself felt they were just a racial or a racist organization. And, They're definitely and, a dumpster fire. That's it's it's definitely not helping. Absolutely, and and now they they kick out two head coaches and they don't give them the. I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. And and Brandon Cooks, I, I don't blame him for not wanting to be there. This team should be much further along than it is. Um, and and we're, we're seeing all kinds of problems there uh, in, in Houston. So we're, we're going to hopefully see Brandon Cooks hit the trade block. We'll see what happens. But um, I, I would like to see uh, Brandon Cooks get out there and, and maybe get dealt. If a guy doesn't want to be somewhere, don't keep him there. You let right. him. Um, speaking of, uh, guys, speaking that, of tra- yeah, speaking of trade blocks, yeah, uh, the, the Raiders, let's talk about the Raiders a little bit. They're actively preparing to trade Derek Carr this off season. What do you make of Derek Carr? You know, he's a, he's a, he is a, you know, he's a good quarterback. You know, he would really help an organization out. You know, I think he, you know, he just floundered under this ridiculous Josh McDaniel system. I think Josh McDaniel is a horrible head coach. You know he was a he was a failure in Denver. He's a failure here, and he came out of the he came out of the Belichick system just like Matt Patricia did with the Detroit Lions. He was a dumpster fire too. So you know, so Derek Carr getting traded, you know, it might be a boon for him. It's definitely you know it's definitely going to put the Raiders in a bind because they're going to need to draft a quarterback to, to help to have him start. So uh, you know, I, I think Derek Carr, you know, is is a is a good quarterback. You know, he's, he's, he's not like a Patrick Mahomes, Jared Allen, uh, uh, Josh Allen. I don't know why I said Jared Allen, Josh Allen, or, you know, even a Lamar Jackson. You know, he's, he's definitely, you know, not that high of a quarterback, but he's definitely really good. Well, and, and one thing, you know, a lot of people were saying that Derek Carr was a top 10 quarterback last year and so on and so forth. I don't think Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback. I do think he is a starter in this league. I think he had a rough year in that in, in that uh, Josh McDaniel system, which I I just think is a fucking mess. Right. Uh, but but let's be real. I think Derek Carr, if he were to go to you know maybe the Falcons, if he mm. were there, there are teams that that could utilize the Saints. The Saints could utilize him. Mm. I think he might be a good pickup somewhere. I don't know that the Colts would be better off utilizing him. I think they really do need to go and draft their quarterback of the future. They've tried the veteran quarterback thing. Um, yeah, so whether it was Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan and neither one of them panned out. Right. So, I mean, there are potential landing spots for Derek Carr. Derek Carr does have a no trade clause in his contract. So he kind of controls where he's going to go anyway. If teams are interested and he wants to go there, eh, okay, he'll maybe he'll lift his no trade clause, but I mean, that's up to him. Um, 
But yeah, Derek Carr, I mean, he's out on the block right now. And another guy that's probably going to be out on the block, and I'm sure the guy that you were uh, looking to talk about here, Cardinals are expecting to potentially trade DeAndre Hopkins this offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know Steve Kime is out as the general manager. We'll see what they do as their new GM uh, in their new GM situation. We know that Cliff Kingsbury is out as their head coach. Uh, Kyler Murray can't be too thrilled about the whole DeAndre Hopkins being out thing, but Hopkins is getting up there in the years. They're going to have to find themselves a new receiver for the future, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins is likely not going to be it in Arizona uh, after this season. Yeah, I mean, which is unfortunate because you know when he was with with when he was with Houston, he was a very dynamic receiver. Yep, and uh, you know he's definitely a dynamic receiver here in uh, in in Arizona. So you know he he's definitely you know a, an upper tier you know wide receiver. You know he obviously he's getting older, and you know you know the the regression starting to set in. But still, you know any team that if if he still wants to play, you know any team could really benefit from having him on their roster. Absolutely. And and one team that I honestly, in my opinion, uh, could benefit from having a player of that caliber would be the Chargers. Mm-hmm. They're having all kinds of injured receiver yeah. issues, <clears throat> and this one is no different. The Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams has been ruled out versus the Jaguars due to a back fracture. He Oof. could actually miss a few weeks, so he might not even be in. Like Unless the Chargers like make their way to the Super Bowl, I don't think we're going to see Mike Williams. Um, one guy we will see back for the Chargers this week, though, is and it's a sight for sore eyes. The offensive mm-hmm. over Sean Slater last year. Last year he was one of our top ten rookies. Uh, he was actually a top three rookie last year. For Sean Slater, set to return this week from a biceps injury. It'll be nice to have him back for the Chargers. Um, moving into this week, uh, I think that's huge for Justin Herbert, right? Absolutely. You know, you, you got to have somebody to block your blind side. You got to have somebody to open up lanes for the running game and to keep those big, nasty defensive tackles at bay. So, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, how uh, San Francisco, you know, Los Angeles, the Chargers can hold up against the Jaguars. You know, it's going to be a good game, you know, uh, against two dynamic quarterbacks. Um, you know, we'll get into picks shortly, uh, but, you know, this is definitely a boon. Yeah, it's a huge, uh, huge coup for them having him back. I'm, I'm pretty excited for the, uh, the old Chargers there. Justin Herbert's got to be breathing a sigh of relief having somebody to set the edge there for him. Um, next up, uh, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts dealing with a shoulder injury still says it's a good thing there's a bye week. We talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think Jalen Hurts comes back 100% after this bye week situation and, and he's going to be a-okay? Well, they better hope so. You know, I'm going to lean towards yes. I mean, you know, you have the extra rest, and that's why you have the bye week. So, you know, the, the, he definitely earned, you know, some rest over these next couple weeks. Yeah. Because uh, they're going to need it when, uh, you know, when the playoffs come through. Because then it's like, okay, let's just say that the Seahawks get eliminated. You know, so the seventh seed's gone. So what's the next seed up? Either the, It's either the sixth seed or the fifth seed. It's six, it's sixth seed fifth seed or fourth seed. So depending on how the Cowboys and the Bucks go, depending on how the Giants and the Vikings go, and obviously depending on how the Seahawks and the Niners go, you know, the lowest seed goes to Philadelphia. And I really think that the one seed that they don't want to see in the division round, that's right, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I I don't think they want to see the Dallas Cowboys at all. I think whoever they take on in the divisional round, it's almost going to be a wash for the for the Eagles, to be perfectly honest with you. 
But, you know, in, in given the circumstances, I, like I said, I, I really believe that, um, you know, the, the Eagles are going to have a, uh, uh, a, a good situation as long as Jalen Hurts comes back healthy. Uh, and last but not least, the Bears have officially clinched the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Rumor has it that the they are already being courted by several teams, most notably the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and, and the rumor is, and we'll we'll see how true it is. The rumor is that Michael Pittman may be being discussed as part of that trade uh, because the Bears do need a wide receiver. Um, so that would be a, a, a great pickup for them. Um, the Bears picking number one overall, I mean, I don't think they need to pick number one overall to be able to fix their team, do you? Well, I mean, you definitely want to have that in your back pocket, but, I mean, if, if you can get a decent wide, if you can get a great, great wide receiver and a couple of uh, draft picks on top of that, you're like, okay, we will sacrifice the holy grail of the NFL. We will we will sacrifice the number one pick, but we know we're doing it because it's a calculated risk. Yeah. And as you've said before, you know, it's been dealt before. So, you know, not just, you know, we, we always talk about dealt, dealing it in Madden. We talk about dealing it, you know, in our a GM, you know, our GM simulators, but it's been done in real life too. So on the one hand, it's like, you know, have that number one pick and hit, and figure out who you're going to draft with it. But then again, it's like, if you can really get some decent, you know, capital on that, on that coveted pick, then, you know, go for it. Yeah, I think trading down from one to four, they could get two first rounders easily out of that. They could swap out with the Colts, do the pick swap, and then get their next two firsts, and possibly even a receiver. It's that coveted. Um, I think it's just it would be a smart play on their end to be able to to get some weapons there, wind up with with a series of first rounders, and and just walk away with a haul um, for that number one overall pick that frankly they don't even need. That's the thing. Yeah, they're the mm-hmm. they're technically the worst team in football. But if you really truly believe that Justin Fields is your future, which it seems like the Bears do, then at this stage of the game, they don't need that first overall pick. Trade it away and get yourself some numbers. Get yourself some first rounders. <laughs> and spoiler alert, you know, you, you probably should be second guessing uh, having Boston Fields as your as your quarterback of the future. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So you really got to weigh your options here. I mean, do you go with Boston Fields or do you go and get another quarterback? You know, because do you do you do you relegate just Justin Fields to a running back position like we were talking about? I mean, we were joking about it, but it's like, hey, you know, if this kid if this kid can peel off runs like crazy, then it's like, well, why don't we just make him a running back? But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one, and that's our news around the league. Uh, Alex, we got one more thing to tend to. We got six it's games. One- Yep, six six games to go. It's wild card, super super wild card weekend. Super wild card, <laughs> super. <laughs> super wild card weekend is here. Uh, we we do have. Uh, they did kick obviously one game out to Monday night last year. I'm super excited to be home for wild card weekend. Last year I wasn't home for the Saturday of it. This upcoming year I'm going to be home for all three days, and I'm fired <laughs> up for it. <laughs> um, so Alex, are you ready to get down to the nitty gritty? Let's oh, get that. Before we get started here, just so we know, uh, Alex, you're at 166, 103 and three. Andrew's at 160, 109 and three. And I'm at 171, 98 and three. I am, uh, got a healthy five game lead here. You guys are, are, it's starting to narrow here yep. it's starting to narrow your guys's opportunities to catch up this may be <laughs> week where, where you do some catching up though. Cause I'm, <laughs> 
be uh, showing up and, and showing out in this this week. So I'll, I'm, you're going to see some stuff go down. Mm-hmm. So are you ready? Let's get it done. Let's get down to business. Here are our predictions for Super Wild Card Weekend, starting out with the Seahawks and the Niners. Uh, Andrew took the Niners here. Alex, who you got? Well, just, you know, Niners are going to get their boots out, and they're going to—they're getting ready to stomp all over the Seahawks yet again. Uh, you know, they snuck into the playoffs because of, of the Rams and because, you know, and the fact that, you know, they beat the Lions earlier in the year and the fact that we bounced Aaron Rodgers from the playoffs, you're welcome. You know, you ought, you ought to give us a Christmas card. Uh, but your your tenure in the playoffs will be short-lived. The 40, I'm going 49ers huge. So this is um, going to be interesting. Okay. It is almost impossible. I'm not going to say it's it's super impossible or anything like that to beat a team three times in a regular in a in a season three times in a season. And it's almost one of those times right now where I keep looking for Brock Purdy to have that come back to earth game. Mm-hmm. Where he, as Mr. Irrelevant, shows up and throws two picks and loses a fumble and and something bad happens. <clears throat> now, one thing, a lot of people are excited about the San Francisco 49ers, and I understand that. But I actually did a, a little bit of a dive on the 49ers schedule from this year. <laughs> right. And looking at the number of bottom-of-the-barrel teams that the San Francisco 49ers took on this season, it kind of makes me start to think. And, and let me break this down for you. Bears. Seahawks, Broncos, who they lost to. They also lost to the Bears. Rams, Panthers, Falcons, who they lost to. Chiefs, who they lost to. That was the the one big game that they had. Mm -hmm. Chargers with no receivers on the field. Niners beat the Cardinals. Saints, Dolphins with no Tua Tungabeloa. Bucks. Seahawks, Commanders, Raiders, Chargers, I'm sorry, Cardinals. These are bottom-of-the-barrel teams that have not been playing well, that have not been playing up to what we've expected. I understand that they've beaten the Seahawks twice this year. I'm having this weird feeling about this Mm -hmm. situation. I'm calling for the upset. Seahawks over Niners in the wild-card round. I'm I'm going. I'm just gonna gonna fire off right now. Seahawks mm-hmm. overnight. Seahawks advance to the divisional round. Okay, it, it's a bold pick, but <laughs> you know, it makes. But when you when you put it in that perspective, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, next up, Chargers and the Jags. Uh, Andrew takes the Chargers here. A lot of people out there calling for the Jags right now. Alex, who you got? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a very dynamic quarterback. Justin Herbert will have a bust in Canton. There's the streak. That, that streak continues. Sure. <laughs> but um, I would think that, you know, it's going to be close. You know, both teams are pretty much evenly matched. And I think the one thing that's just going to edge it out, and I'm just going to go and put it out on the pine, 
the, the, the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert will make it to the divisional round. You know, I think Doug Peterson's done a fantastic job turning this team around uh, from the dark days of Urban Meyer. But, you know, I think Justin Herbert is going to have, you know, besides, he got bounced from the playoffs last year when he lost to the Raiders. So the fact that he's in the playoffs this year, I'm like, he's fired up. So, you know, so are the Jaguars, you know, and, and you know, Trevor Lawrence is fired up. So it'll be a great game. I'm going to pick the Chargers to win by a field goal. Ooh, buddy. Well, uh, earlier this year, the Jaguars did beat the Chargers. Um, and I think the Jaguars are red hot right now. I'm going with the Jags. Really mm-hmm. I am going to roll with the Jags here. Um, and, and I know uh, you and Andrew are rolling with the Chargers. I'm going to go ahead and, and I, I that was, again, a weird feeling on feeling. this wild card weekend. This is one of those, like, this is one of those weekends where I, I have a feeling some of these underdog matchups are going to catch everybody by surprise. We're going to be seeing it. I'm going with the Jags. Uh, next up, Dolphins in the Bills. Now, mind you, this is a Dolphins team that has Skylar Thompson starting. Uh, Andrew's taking the Bills. I'm just going to say up straight up, I'm taking the Bills. I, I think don't think this is a question. Yep, fire up the grill. The Dolphins are cooked. You know, if they had two on the field, it'd be a different story. But unfortunately, uh, third time's not the charm. Bye bye, Miami. Uh, see you later. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up. The Giants and the Vikings at 4:30 on Sunday. You know, I, I, I look. I, I know that you're kind of all about the, uh, the, the uh, Vikings here. I'm, I, you know, this could go dangerously one way or yep. dangerously the other. The Vikings have been 11 and 0 in one-score games, including in this one where they took on the Giants earlier this year. They beat them with a 61-yard game-winning field goal, the the longest field goal in Vikings history. I, uh, you know. I think it's going to be a lot tighter than a lot of people realize. Yep. Um, but I, I'm still going to go with my Vikings. I'm going with my boys here. Um, it's going to be a lot tighter than a lot of people think, though. Yep. I totally agree with that assessment. And I'm also going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. But really, it's going to be a close, hard-fought game. Yep. You know, especially when Daniel Jones and their starters, you know, get back on the field. Um, as opposed to having that, you know, throwaway game where they just had their starter, they had their uh, secondary out there. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so the Vikings, <clears throat> I'm I'm choosing them. We take Vikings across the board. I think that's outside. The Bills and Vikings are the only two games we've all agreed on so far. Uh, we'll definitely agree on this one, though. I'm for sure. Uh, Ravens and Bengals. Um, this one, I'm going Bengals, no doubt. This isn't even a question. There's not possibly even not even a chance of Tyler Huntley starting. Bengals yeah. yeah, Ravens are going to get stomped out. You know, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch too. Yeah, you know, cuz we're going to say, you know, we told you so. We should you should have you should have offered Lamar that money. You should have done that. You know, and then we'll see what happens at the end of the season. But Bengal who day who day. Yep. And last but not least the Monday night football game, Cowboys okay. and the Bucks. Uh, mm. you know, it's going to get interesting. Cowboys yep. and the Bucks. Andrew takes the Cowboys in this situation. Um, <clears throat> it's it's kind of a again, a weird weird time. I am going with the the red hot Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I see Tom Brady and and I just I have this feeling that the man just turned the switch. And he's ready to go. I don't care if the Bucks finished eight and nine. The Cowboys just got beat to crap by the the Washington Commanders with their starters on the field. Right. I'm going Bucks. 
You know, you know that it's a bold, it's a nice, it's a good pick. You know, it makes total sense. I'm going to go ahead and still go with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, because I think that switch is going to be turned on. They realize it's going to be playoff football. You know, they they overestimated, they underestimated the, the uh, Washington Commanders. You know, but they are they are going to have to be very wary of primetime Tom Brady because that guy is going to be an absolute flamethrower. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I think it's going to be a great Monday night game. <clears throat> and uh, those are our predictions for Super. <laughs> So uh, Super Wildcard Weekend, that's our predictions. And, uh, Alex, that is our show. Um, before we take off out of here, I want to give a shout-out to Hit Your Time Massage, IYTMassage.com. Uh, you, you go ahead and book yourself a massage, Swedish Deep Tissue. She uses CBD oil if you want it. You can uh, you can uh, get yourself a wonderful massage. Alex, you need one, brother. Yeah. I, 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 you, I, we've, we've been talking about it for several weeks. And uh, you know, at, one, at some point, I, I'm going to get there one of these days. Yeah. You mark my words. You you definitely need a massage, my friend. And uh, yeah, check it out, iytmassage.com, or you can check her out on Facebook at It's Your Time Massage. Uh, don't forget, it's your time. Relax. Get yourself a massage. And over at It's Your Time Massage. Um, also, Patch Miracle Photography. Got to give a shout out to them. Um, man, Andrew and Chantel, they're tremendous. They do amazing work over there at Patch Miracle. Um, if you're looking for school pictures, Patch Miracle Photography. You're looking for graduation pictures, Patch Miracle Photography. You're looking for your engagement photos, your wedding photos, Patch Miracle Photography. If you're looking for pregnancy photos, your maternity pictures, your new baby pictures, anything of the sort, you name it, Patch Miracle Photography. If you're looking to a sexy boudoir shoot for that special somebody in your life, Patch Miracle Photography. Please check out Patch Miracle Photography on Facebook. Um, They're one of the best photographer there Andrew and his wife Chantel they're one of the they're a couple of the best photographers in the world I mean they are amazing their work is super professional I love everything that they do um for the love of God if you get something done as far as photos go these this is some of the most amazing work I have three of their photos on my wall actually of of the babies now uh, we we the man my wonderful wife Amanda and I we had our twins and we've got three big blown up pictures, big canvas photos and of our, our babies up on the wall now. And I just love those photos. They're wonderful. Patch Miracle Photography. Check them out. They're amazing. Also, a uh, big shout out to FaceKickedApparel.com. FaceKickedApparel, our boy Sean Stockmeyer, his wonderful wife, Lisa. They do tremendous work. Um, they, If you want hats, shirts, hoodies, pants, you name it, you pick it, he sticks it over there at... Um, FaceKickedApparel.com. Also, want to give a shout out to Big Willie Dubs Gaming, our boy Big Willie. Um, Big Will is over there doing a lot of uh, a lot of great stuff over on his channel. He does a lot of Modern Warfare lately. I've been, dude, I love his videos. His videos yep. are so fun. I love checking him out over on TikTok. He's got his TikTok going. Uh, he's over there on Twitch. Folks, check that out. Big Willie Dubs Gaming. He does have his Facebook stuff go I, I, going on too. He. It's an excellent channel to watch, excellent uh, excellent uh, channel to pay attention to. Every now and then he busts out some retro stuff that I just get super excited about because I'm a mm-hmm. retro kind of guy. So check it out, Big Willie Dubs Gaming. And last but not least, yep. it's uh, the Steel yep, Twins uh, Yep, the Steel Twins Gaming. Yep, that's the new name of the channel. Yep. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, we just concluded uh, the Ace Attorney series, uh, the, the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney series. 
excellent uh, stuff. The trials, the trials and Tribulations game was just finished uh, this past Wednesday. I have to say that that final two, three-hour stream that we did is quite possibly the best work that I have that I have seen or heard uh, out of you know, my brother, especially Andrew, the package Andrew Steele broke out his acting chops in that last in that last video. It's on YouTube. You know, all of our past episodes are on YouTube. Go out of your way to check it out. I I cannot recommend it enough. You know it and uh, so and we're in a, we're in a little bit of a conundrum as to what we're going to do next week. Uh, so you know we we just finished a project off and now it's like okay we've got this series done. What do we do next? And uh, you know we'll be we'll, we will communicate via our Facebook page. Um, you know and I might even break out you know on Mondays and Fridays. You know um, I, I wasn't really good this week. Um, I may actually stray away from Warzone. I may like choose a day to do uh, like a, a playthrough of of another game of sorts. Um, you know, just just to kind of break away from the pack or try to, you know, and could and could probably put up some retro retro stuff too because I know you, I know you're all about that. All about the life. You know, I I you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to try to do like a Super Mario Brothers three speed run, and I have you watch it, and I know you're going to critique the shit out of it because that's your jam. Yep, yeah, I, I would actually, I would love to join you for a Super Mario Brothers <laughs> 3 speedrun. Um, and, and it wouldn't even have to be a speedrun, really. I, I, I just we, love we just dink around and just, you know, take yeah. the turns and all that shit. All, all of the special stuff that's in that game is super fun. I, I love doing that. So, I mean, if, if I, I'm dead serious. If you, wanna, if you want me to join you for something like that, I would love to. Love to. <laughs> I love that game. I, I That's that. an idea, but I'll tell you what, it'd be it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I played that game my whole life. It's it's no doubt one of my favorite games of all time, and uh, I, w- I would love to do that. But uh, yeah, your your guys's channel is tremendous. I, I've been li- listening to it. I've been watching it. It's been a lot of fun. I, I watch it in my spare time. Um, very entertaining stuff. Love it when I get to be able to hop on there live with you guys and and shoot shit with you live and give you guys a hard time and and. You know, make dirty innuendos and things like. <laughs> Some of the best content we've had on on that series is when you came in and threw in those comments. I gotta tell you, it, it, it helps make it next level. It's I I I think it's funny and and uh, certain things that go on in in that uh, especially in that Ace Attorney series uh, it it makes for a makes for a good time. It does, but, uh, folks. Um, that's our show. Uh, please check out uh, uh, Steel Brothers Gaming. And uh, that's our show. I, I hope everybody enjoys their wild card weekend. I hope everybody's enjoying this NFL season. I sure as hell am. It's been a hell of a time. Um, the show is is going to be going on as uh, as normal. Uh, don't forget, after we finish the Super Bowl, we're gonna we're gonna do the Super Bowl Sunday show, and then we will be um, jumping right back on here uh, every two weeks after for the off season. So we do every two weeks uh, when the off season rolls around. Because things do sort of slow down a little bit, you know, around the league. So we do jump into a bi-weekly situation. But uh, we will be here every week throughout the playoffs, obviously, um, and the week after the Super Bowl. So hopefully um, we get to uh, – uh, we, you guys continue to, to join us here on the show. And, uh, Alex, man, I, I hope you're fired up. Wild Card Weekend, baby. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So, folks, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time right here on the Outside Blitz. Ciao.
Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz, and feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com. <laughs>